This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking January fun stuff for a Sunday fun day. Fun day, Sunday, Hyundai. Now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi. Out Now is a film <laughs> podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is something completely different. This is our uh, January Stuff episode. A title that we, we, we spent like 30 minutes talking off-air about just everything. But we didn't talk about the title, and it's like that's why I'm just laughing about it. It's like it's so regular. <laughs> but I like January stuff. <laughs> Basically, a chance for us to kind of recap some things that we've seen, especially A, because he's been catching up on a lot of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. No main review necessarily, although we both did see the kid who would be king, so we'll be talking about that one shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're just kind of kind of go back and forth on some of the things that we've seen recently, along with some trailers and other fun stuff that we generally do on this podcast. So uh, yeah. Um, let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, commentary track. Um, in addition to our commentary track for Unbreakable that's out now, which came in just in time for the film Glass, which is out in theaters right now, uh, we plan to do a new commentary track for February, um, which should be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking Sin City, the Robert Rodriguez film. Uh, sorry, the Robert Rodriguez slash Frank Miller film. Yeah, gonna, and yeah. maybe even some Quentin Tarantino. With, stuff, yeah, right? with, with special guest director Quentin right. Tarantino. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a that, friend that, trio directing. Mm-hmm. And that's in honor of, of course, Alita: Battle Angel, which comes out in February. So yeah, look out for that one. We should be recording that next week, so that'll be coming you know, pretty shortly. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, Oscars. Uh, we're going to talk about the nominations a little bit later, but for now, just know that we will be doing an Oscar prediction show as we normally do on this podcast as well. I'm sure Mark Hoban will be joining us for that one. Um, so yeah, that will come later in the month, of course, around the week of the Oscars. Uh, what else? Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search right now out there in our name. You can do just that. And give us a rating and review. Thank you very much. Yeah. So yeah, just Abe and I this week going uh, going old school on this just one. Just the two of us. That's right. And uh, so we're just going to kind of move right into some trailer talk. We've got a few new trailers we haven't talked about yet, and I, I want to get to those. Um, so let's do it. Let's uh, let's talk about John Wick 3. Sorry, John Wick Chapter 3. <laughs> sorry, John Wick colon Chapter 3 dash Parabellum. Very specific, yeah. I mean, this is a book that we were really looking forward to reading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. I got my bookmark and everything. It's a shape <laughs> shotgun. That's a weird bookmark. <laughs> it's weirder that it cocks. Oh, wow. It's an interactive bookmark. Yeah. That's going to be something yeah, that uh, we should really use to make people get back into reading. The, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guns. Interactive bookmarks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you watched the trailer for John Wick? I watched it uh, in my in my bed the morning that it came out because I was super – I didn't know that it was going to drop, and I was super excited to see it. And uh, for the most part, it's pretty much what I thought it was going to be the case. I mean, I remember watching or seeing the production photos uh, on Twitter of John Wick on a horse and seeing it play out with a whole bunch of bad guys on motorcycles and machetes and uh, John Wick doing his thing on a horse. I was like, let's do it. I'm here to see how this movie is going to end, how this trilogy will end, or at least how they'll spin it off into like a TV series or what have you. 
but um i'm i'm all for it i'm all for uh holly berry even though i think holly berry's been doing like some some really interesting work in the past few years i remember i remember you mentioned the one about uh, the call i believe um yeah, she's been doing like uh, like thrillers. Like she did the call, and then she did uh, what was it? Yeah, Anna, my mom and I saw what was the last one? It was the was it like the her one kid where got she's, like it's some... just she's drive she's driving the whole time. Like she's on the her kid gets kidnapped, and she's like in constant pursuit. And I'm going to fuck kidnap kid so, <laughs> kidnap. It's so it's too generic. That's why I couldn't think of it. It's so generic. <laughs> that's kidnap. what they, that's what they do now. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. but that one that one was actually a direct or a theatrical release, right? Yeah, it was a whole, like, it was a thing involving, like, the studios and stuff where it got yeah. shifted around a lot, but, yeah, it eventually found its way, and it was quite entertaining. Yeah, there you go. So, I'm all for this trailer. I like the the visual aesthetic of the John Wick series in general, where they use the neon lights in New York, um, and they also have, again, the elements of fighting and the also the elements of the world building that they do. I thought it was uh, a pretty cool use of um, all of it, and if you didn't see John Wick in theaters for the first time, uh, hopefully they, they uh, do a whole entire series again and you can go see it in theaters because it was one of the, the most fun experiences I've had in a theater, I think in 2014, was it? 2013, something like that? The first the first one was 14, the second one was uh, 16. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, so, 17, 17, 17, 17. So I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah, no, I can't wait for more John Wick action. Um, in addition to having Reeves doing his thing still, and Chad Skahelski directing the hell out of a lot of very vibrant action sequences. You have Jason Manzukis as something called the TikTok Man. So I need to see this. I need to see what that is. <laughs> John Wick, John Wick featuring Jason Manzukis in this universe. I want to know what that looks like. <laughs> and his name is the TikTok Man. Just to reiterate. I'm telling you, there's like a really, there's like some really strange stuff that's going to happen here. Because I'm also curious yeah. about what's going to happen with that heart surgeon that he's looking at or he's working with. Because maybe, just maybe, that heart surgeon's going to also try and kill him after the five seconds are up, right? I like that the movie's picking up right where the last one left off. Well, that's, like, that's, that's how the second one did me. it, too. It does, yeah. No, it yeah. really does. Yeah, it's right. It is, he has, still has to get his car back. He's got to get uh, his car back, so he's got to go yeah. kill uh, Igor's brother or whatever. So I guess I should be too surprised. And yeah, it is called Chapter 3. So it's like, yeah, the next page is him doing with the next thing. <laughs> like, So it, it makes a level of sense. But I... I Still, I do like that it's literally like still within the same hour that he has as a head start to, to get out of where he is. So. I, you know, that's the least that uh, what's his face could do. The guy from Deadwood, Ian McShane. Ian McShane could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like how they have to do the force perspective thing because Ian McShane's like my height, and John Wick is or Keanu Reeves is like six one, so they've they've always got to make force perspective. They do their job. Short people problems. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John Wick 3 has graduated to the Blockbuster Leagues. It comes in theaters May 17th, so right, right amongst the heavy hitters. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's a tough period to, to be released. It's it's so much fun that John Wick came out in September, like, or, like late, late September or October. I think it was October uh-huh. in 2014, was like, all right, uh, February. And now this one's like, May. We're <laughs> just, yeah, we're just going to jump in it. <laughs> like, like the next, like... John Wick Chapter Four is a July Fourth release. <laughs> like, just what to else? be fair though, I mean that that's probably they're probably maybe thinking like, hey, if everyone's gonna go see all these movies anyway, here's another one where people have kind of caught on with cult following. So let's try well, and get works. some of that it's Avengers the, money, you know? It's in the it's in the Deadpool Two slot uh, this year. John Wick Chapter Three. That's where it is. It's, it's right there, which is you know that's proven ground as far as like, and even like like Mad Max was that same way. That was like the. 
Fury Road? Second weekend of, yeah, Fury Road. But that that was like the legs. second that weekend of all the way to like October. Oh, it carried, well, yeah, because it was, you know, one of it's the best movies, movie. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever. But yeah, I mean, you can, you can find room within the superhero movies to have like a big R rated action adventure as well. Like it, it works out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, superhero movies and R rated action adventures, our next trailer is for Hellboy. Um, the new Hellboy, uh, directed by Neil Marshall and starring uh, David Harbour of uh, Stranger Things fame, among other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a continuation of the Guillermo del Toro series. This is taking things back to the beginning, or at least a new iteration of the Hellboy character. And yeah, Abe, what did you, <laughs> you think of this trailer? What you said there at the end there is kind of how you feel, which is, yeah. Uh, I remember watching Hellboy, and I haven't actually watched uh, Golden Army. Um but this trailer just feels uh, it feels all over the place, meaning like it's trying to be funny, it's trying to be actiony, it's also trying to be culturally and and, uh, and pop culturally relevant, but also um, it just feels like it's trying to be cool for the sake of being cool. You know, there's like slow motion shots, there's like all these like um, I, I guess like these stylized action sequences which i don't know how to feel about because if you're showing me stylized action sequences that maybe makes me think that you you didn't really work on any of the script or the story and you kind of want to make this like hey here's a hellboy reboot that you were actually looking for which is like it's just cool gun violence and it's like hellboy like beating some stuff up um whereas the other one's like a sci-fi like straight up like fantasy type thing because del toro loves this character um so I, I don't know how to feel about this because when I'm watching the trailer, I just feel like it's not it, – it just feels uh, like a mess. So I don't think we talk – I don't think I talk about Hellboy on this podcast enough, or at least with you. So the Hellboy, the first one, is fun. Like it's a fun movie. I like it. I enjoy it quite a bit. Hellboy 2 is what I consider to be one of Guillermo del Toro's several masterpieces. I think that movie is utterly fantastic. Um, the, the, the biggest problem Hellboy 2 had is that the Dark Knight came out two weeks later and just basically stole all the thunder away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is a brilliant movie, head, head to toe. Everything about it is fantastic. I, it's, it was one of my favorite movies of that year in addition to the Dark Knight. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic superhero film. And it has Guillermo del Toro doing everything he can to kind of make a, a big mainstream blockbuster, um, at that time. Right. Uh, so, the fact that I'm not seeing Hellboy 3 <laughs> just is – it's upsetting, but at the same time, I can get it. That said, seeing what we're coming up with now, this is underwhelming, and it's a shame because, like, I want to put my good foot forward and say, well, we didn't get that, but maybe we'll, this will be good too because I like Neil Marshall. He did The Descent. Uh, he, like, he, he did a, a number. He did Doomsday and Centurion. Like, he, he's a capable action director, and he makes some hard-hitting action stuff, or at least violent stuff in his movies. Mm-hmm. The Descent in particular, which I rewatched not too long ago for our horror episodes. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on there that I really like. So it's like, okay, that's a neat get for a director. If we're not going to get Del Toro again, let's see where that goes. But just, yeah, everything about this trailer... I just I'm not a fan how it's put together. I I like David Harbour as an actor, but like I think the costume on him it's this is coming from uh, um, Summit, and it just it feels cheaper. I don't like to kind of ruminate too far on the you know a budget of a movie and how that's affecting things, but 
It's like, you have to play a character that's, just, you know, in a makeup costume the entire movie, and it just looks like this squinty face the whole time. It doesn't seem to have much expression. Yeah. So it's like, all right, that's bugging me. And just the way it looks like there's nothing here that really suggests why we needed to not do a third one if we're doing a story that feels exactly like the other ones. Yeah, just, doesn't, doesn't that feel like, like the, the the most appropriate... I feel like that's the most appropriate response, which is like, why is this being made? Yeah, because like, it's not. it doesn't seem like it's taking it in any new direction. That said, it's based off the Hellboy comics. So yeah, there's only so many ways you can kind of take it. But at the same time, if we're, re- if we're doing another Hellboy... I don't. We're not changing enough up here for me to feel like it's worth it compared to going with a, the 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 third step, the third story that Del Toro wanted to do with this thing. Yeah, I, it is one of those things where, like, um, let me ask you, you know, what were the box office numbers for Hellboy and Hellboy Golden Army? <laughs> Hellboy was it was fine it didn't flop at okay. the same time that was at it that came out at a time when dvd was huge and so it had a it, it did great on on uh you know like rentals and, and video purchases like that was a huge thing it was a big part of that and it had even had like a big three disc special edition director's cut and everything like it was it became like a cold kind of favorite thing yeah the second one it made more money but it still didn't do amazing and that sure. was before kind of worldwide numbers became like a bit you know, like the chinese market became like a bigger deal a bigger, and everything yeah but like yeah. more more studios are starting to think about the overseas market yeah like oh oh wait to 2000 to 2010 is like one like we're like okay we can we really gotta we can start finagling things to make it work in both for you know everybody kind of thing yeah because uh, like like avatar is a huge example regardless yeah it didn't do great given the expanded budget that it had for the second one like again sure. it didn't outright flop but also the dark I came out and just kind of took all the money. No, away totally. Too. That movie made like a yeah. billion dollars. So. so it's like I, I get from like a business standpoint, and just Del Toro wanted to do something, and them not giving him what he needed to do it. Like I get why it's all happened the way this has happened. It just it the resulting thing that I'm seeing so far, just based on just a trailer, is like it's underwhelming, I mean, which is a shame. Right. Yeah. But that goes back especially because like, my... you haven't you haven't seen two. There's a it ends on like a cliffhanger. A note, well, not necessarily cliffhanger, but it ends on a note where you're like, I need, I want to know where this story was going. There's multiple threads hanging where I'm like, this is so much more interesting to me than just seeing another version of that character at the beginning of his career or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's understandable. But again, what I'm trying to drive at is, is yeah. it's not as though it's like, wow, box office success, and it's like we need to make another one of these. And it's also, it doesn't feel as though it's another studio thing like Spider-Man where they're saying, if we don't make another one, we're going to lose the licensing rights to this. Oh, yeah, because it was at Universal. Like, at first it was at Sony, then Sony yeah. lost it, so it went to Universal, and now it's at Summit. So it's like, okay. Right, but, but what I'm getting is, like, again, who's clamoring for this? And not to say, like, you shouldn't do things mm-hmm. that you're interested in, but quite honestly, you know, in a very, very heavy market uh, for things that are going to be coming out for the next few years... It's like, I don't know why this was sort of relevant. And again, this Aaron and I are fully aware that it's very hard to make a movie. And I would never, you know, challenge anybody and be like, this is this is like a bad movie. You should never never should have made it kind of thing. More just like, again, why what what's what's driving you to do this? You know, like I'm I'm curious about that. Because if it is something genuine and compassionate and you know, something from deep within of like, hey, I really want to tell a Hellboy story and I've I've always been a fan of it. Okay, great. That's different than like, oh, you know what? This is a big foray into the American market because, like we mentioned, the director he's been in, he's directed all these like, um, he's he's like a Hungarian or not a Hungarian, but he's like a, a Nordic director, right? No, no, he's he's British. 
He's British. But, yeah. but he's directed all these films that are smaller and darker and weird. Um, well, this is small and dark and weird to its credit. This is going to be released in major in in huge studios. Yeah, or... but it, but it's a I mean, it's a smaller budgeted movie. Like it's not a huge budget superhero movie. It's Hellboy. It's not a Marvel film. So it's like it totally fair. I know. What you're, totally. Fair. I hear what you're saying, but yeah. it, it does fall. And that's what I'm talking about with like the costume. It just looks cheaper. Yeah. Like it. It's also, uh, R.I.P. to Matt Ro- Matt Rose, who who worked on the Hellboy series, uh, who I. Uh, He's a makeup artist that uh, passed away this past mm-hmm. week, so Gilmore de Toro was no. shouting him out. Mm-hmm. I will note that, like, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy, he did have a hand on the script and everything. Like, he's okay. he's the one that really wants to keep this thing going. Like that's And that that's totally cool. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, this is my property. I want to make more of it. That's, a, that's almost as if, like, isn't Todd McFarlane, like, doesn't he have a hand in the new Spawn reboot? Oh, he's directing the exactly. Spawn Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Where it's like, hey, like, he's by the way, the first one looked for... like shit, and here's, like, my vision for it. He's doing it for Bloomhouse, and he, I believe, yeah, Jamie Foxx was cast as Spawn, so it's like I, I'm curious. I'm down I don't for that. know. I, I, directing this thing is makes me like, okay, we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll see where but, that goes. Um, but I mean, like Todd McFarlane, I mean, like I remember his artwork back in the day. It's very dark, and it's also like super. It's stuff that like I never really liked that as much. Like I like the animate the drawing styles that he has, but again, it's like watching Spawn in 1997 with Michael J. White. It's like, this is not the Spawn that even I knew of the comics during that time. I mean, we did a whole commentary on Spawn where yeah. I can go, so I don't need to go too far to my thoughts on Spawn right now. Yeah, yeah, no but worries. I will say the the, Bloom, the fact that it's with Bloomhouse does have me intrigued, because that's a, that's a studio where you back yourself into a corner, like, okay, how do we do this with this amount of money? Like, yeah. that makes me curious what that's going to look like. Uh, this Hellboy movie just looks like generic superhero movie, and we inserted this one into it, and... That's just it's it's doubly annoying for me just because there is a third story I could be seeing with Hellboy directed by the or at least with his involvement. And this is just not that. Yeah. And I, I want to go in, you know, open eyes and think, OK, let's see what this is. And I, I, I look forward to watching it because I want to see what that's going to be. I just so far the the opening shot of this is like, all right, here we are. <laughs> But even the shot of him coming out of, you know, the circle with his horns and the flaming sword is like, that's a cool shot, but that's probably going to last like three seconds. We'll see. And, but I, and I do like Neil Marshall. I want to keep that going, too. For I'm sure, yeah. Neil Marshall, Again, so you, I wanna, you've I turned see me on to the descent, like. and I like Neil Marshall as well. I like the way that he <laughs> takes things. Like, they're they're more grounded, right? Um, yeah, and like his violent... His, his uh, friend of the show, Brandon Peters, says his violence hurts. It feels like it hurts. It's true. Movies, yeah. So. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. But Hellboy arrives in theaters April twelfth, um, a week after Shazam, I believe, and also starring Ian McShane. So there you go. Yeah, that guy is just killing it now. Mm-hmm. Good job, good job, Ian McShane. <laughs> good, good agent. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. <laughs> have have his agent call me because you know we're we could do the same things. No, we can't. He's much better of an actor. So let's move on to our last trailer we're going to talk about this evening. It's a high flying bird. This is the first of two Steven Soderbergh films coming out this year. It's already played at Sundance, where I'm hearing some really good things. Um, it's another film that he shot using iPhones, iPhone is that cameras. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it features Andre Holland, Zazie Beetz, Bill Duke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had yeah. me, at Bill Duke. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin. I talked to I talked to Bill Duke about this. I remember you sat behind him. Right? Predator screening. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I was like, and he, he was talking about uh, Soderbergh. I was like, oh, that's good. Because I was talking about the Liney. And he's like, uh, he was telling me that he's, he worked with him again. I was like, oh, so this is that movie. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, this movie, it's a basketball film. It's a sports drama. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Abe, what would you think of this trailer? I like the pace of the trailer, and I like the people that are involved, and it feels like I'm going to like the script of this trailer. I think that what's cool about it is, like, yes, it's intrigue about basketball and how you're going to be using your talents about, you know, maybe you think that you're the best, but quite honestly, it's like it's like a numbers game. It's a marketing yourself type game. So it's about inside stuff, and I'm all for that because, like, I think that as, as more athletes become aware of their own self-image uh, and also their own self, excuse me, of their own brand, that's kind of the thing that that those movies might be touching upon. It's like, hey, you know, don't let yourself be sold out, kind of thing, because you're basically driving all these revenue shares, uh, and without you, they're they're kind of nothing. But I think there's like a turn in the trailer where it seems as though um, who's who's Andre 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 Holland Andre Holland, where it seems like he's like might be doing this because he was you know shafted at one point in his career. It's like. Now I'm curious about what his whole entire plot structure is going to look like, what his storyline is going to look like, because everything else looks pretty cool. His, I feel like, if they have a, if they if they make him turn into a person that I don't like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. But I'm I'm still willing to see it anyway, because it's a Netflix release. But also, Bill Duke coming out and being like uh, either like a coach or a mentor, it's like that's exactly what I meant. I've always wanted Bill Duke to be like a crime lord kind of thing, which he's played. He's in played some a movies. few times. Yeah. 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 But I was like, if I ever made a movie, I would cast Bill Duke as as this kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, there's like two movies that I want that that uh, there's like, if this was a sports movie, I would always want to cast Richard Jenkins as a coach. <laughs> like, doesn't he look like a basketball coach? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and he's um, a he great has, actor. He has, he has to have played a coach at some point in his. I career. have no idea, but I was like, if Richard Jenkins, if nobody has made him a, a coach in a movie, I'm willing to make him a coach in my movie. Um, and then Bill Duke, who is like, you know, the ideal, the ideal coaches would be Richard Jenkins and Richard Schiff. Like they could be Richard, see Richard Schiff as a coach would be like, he'd be the mean coach that like, he's like, he's like the, uh, who's, who's the guy who like choked his players out over at Indiana. Um, this is not the sub six forty five. I don't, I don't know I the like, answer. Aaron, Aaron might not be the best one to help me out. This here. isn't your sports Bob, podcast. Bobby Knight, Bobby I don't, I don't, so, I don't yeah, Bobby Richard Knight. Is, okay. Like, Bobby Knight. He's like short tempered and whatever else, but. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like Richard Jenkins as like the uh, the Jim Beheim type of uh, character. In any case, I know this is over a little bit over everyone's head, but yeah, Bill Duke. I I love seeing Bill Duke just acting in general because I think that he's a really cool like suave guy. Um, I, ever since I saw him in like Predator and also like uh, all these '80s movies with the Schwarzenegger because he was also in Commando and he was and he also played a various he's played various roles throughout his career. But um, I am curious about this because. First of all, Soderbergh said that he was going to retire like three years ago, and he clearly hasn't. Um, but then, Aaron, you intrigued me a little bit further with the iPhone thing because, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about here, we've talked to directors on our show as well, and people are just like, hey, just go out and shoot. Like, whatever you have, shoot it with that, and also just keep writing your scripts. And it's like, this is just more motivation for people to be like, you don't need giant, you, know, you can get those giant cameras if you want. They're, they're, you can rent them. But, you know, phone cameras have come such a long way that you can basically make a movie in your pocket. So it's pretty cool to see this type of um, innovation. Uh, and I didn't see Soderbergh's other Unseen. movies because yeah. he you you've seen them, but Un- he, he did the one he did on Un- oh, he did Unsane, Unsane, which was shot with an iPhone, which I I quite liked. It was yeah. a solid thriller. It's not amazing, but I I, I like Soderbergh. For just like being like, I'm gonna just try this. Exactly. And yeah, and that's all that I can ask a director to I, I do like is ambition. try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I I think you know that I'm really down for when people try things, whether it's mm-hmm. in a script or whether it's like just the way that they take something, or just 
you know, however crazy it is, I'm like, yeah, if it's not the same mold as like every, everything else I've ever seen, you know that I'm going to be down for it. So I'm down to check this one out. And I don't know, again, like we'll see how the story goes, but everything else around it is, uh, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'll note that uh, Melvin Gregg is like one of the lead characters as well. He was the he was one of the main stars of season two of American Vandal, the basketball star in that film. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, I Vandal, quite the, like the, his... the Netflix series where like uh, that's the one with like the diarrhea in the food, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that was the there was another character in the first season that was like one of the like the best like new like kind of discoveries as far as actors goes. Johnny Tetro, I believe, was his name. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think this character, Melvin Gregg, I think he was kind of the standout actor of the season of season two. So I'm like, oh, good for him. He's got another thing, and it's a soda bird. Okay. It'll be decidedly different, but it's like, oh yeah, good for him. He's in this now. And um, it's also it's written by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is one of the co-writers of Moonlight. Right. Um, so it's it's a lot of things, just a lot of things all over the place that I want to look forward to in this. It seems like the and given what's going on here, and I do I like this trailer too, and I look forward to this just because by default I'm a big Soderbergh fan, so I mm-hmm. want to see this. But also, just, yeah, it is a solid trailer. Um, but it it does seem like it's going to, given it being a Soderbergh film, it's going to have kind of a lot of inside basketball aspects to it. So it makes it seem like this is the closest Soderbergh will get to making his Moneyball, since he was originally going to direct Moneyball. He was going to so, do that, but I, I will say that, yeah. uh, what is it, Bennett... Um, Bennett Miller. Bennett Miller. I've probably seen Moneyball like 15 times, and it's still, like, I... It, whenever Moneyball's on, I will watch Moneyball. That's how much I love Moneyball. Like, so, I'd be happy to watch it again. So it used to come on HBO a lot. Now I, yeah. now I don't see it. So. Right. So, but, you know, if uh, Soderbergh is going to direct uh, a Moneyball type... Mm-hmm. I I'm all for it. Anything yeah. about sports and just so that you blend. Like, do you remember? Do you remember some aspect? I'm I'm kind of going on a Moneyball tangent, but Moneyball was gonna be. They kind of wanted to do a movie documentary style, um, and then I think Soderbergh and Ben Miller were just like, well, let's also have like actors in it too, and let's kind of blend. Uh, it's yeah. It seems like with documentary. It seemed like movie. the um, like the production was becoming this like experimental thing before they yeah. kind of just made it. Made it more into a, a traditional like biopic type of thing, even though yes, it does have a lot of it does have like you know archive footage and of, whatever else. Yeah, and some yeah. interesting ideas as far as how to approach this specific right. story. Since the book is the book is it's, literally it's not math. it's not you know yeah yeah, it, yeah it's not it's not a, like a traditional like here's our hero and he's doing this stuff kind of book like yeah. so you know, so in any good, case uh, yeah if Soderbergh's gonna uh, make anything sports related, I'm down. Good job for Steve Zellian and Aaron Sorkin, two two schmoes of writers. Too. I've <laughs> never heard of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, High Flying Bird hits um, Netflix uh, February eighth. Um, coming up. Yeah, coming up soon. Um, all right. Well, that's all the trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to some reviews here, and let's start it off with our review for The Kid Who Would Be King. Alex, you're gonna be late. Okay, okay. Tom, here. Thanks, Mom. A land is only as good as its leaders. Somebody help me! Hey, leave him alone. A true king is brave and noble. Don't be a hero. I'm the king around here. You have more battles yet to fight. That fast as it go. We've got you now! Now, you must choose what you stand for. Berenice, you've got to see what I found. There's something written on the guard. Put it into Google Translate. It means Sword of Arthur. What if you're the only person who could have pulled that sword out? What if it's Excalibur? 
Ah, finally. Follow me. I am Merlin. I thought Merlin was supposed to be an old man. An ingenious disguise, don't you think? In four days, the dark sorcerer Morgana will take over the world. Awake, my warriors. And I'm supposed to stop her. That's ridiculous. There's your sword back, and good luck with everything. You're a king, Alexander. The sword chose you. Why would we help you? Because you're the strongest people I know. You're my knights, and this is the round table. Quick, Bettis, lift up the flaps. Oh my god, you're such a nerd. That should have been some of the trailer for The Kid Who Would Be King. This is the the nine like almost what almost a decade like eight years later after attack the block joe cornish's follow-up to a debut film um, which we were big fans of on this podcast hmm. um so now we do have his follow-up which is a more kid-centric feature um involving a young boy uh, alex elliott played by lewis ashbourne circus son of andy circus um who stars as an ordinary kid who discovers excalibur at a construction site near his home in england um he picks it up it unleashes all kinds of chaos because we have both Merlin going in in the form of a teenager to disguise himself, as well as the evil Morgana, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson, who's slowly gaining enough power based off all the darkness in the world to rise from the underworld and take over. So it'll be up to Alex Elliott and his friends to hopefully train and become knights and, and <laughs> recruit an army to defeat Morgana. All of that in mind. Abe, what do you think of the kid who would be king? I, I need to uh, ask you to fill me in on a little bit because here's what happened. I went to go watch the kid who would be king. I went to a theater uh-huh. and I sat down in it, and it's a theater with D box seats, right? I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm in this theater here, and why isn't the movie starting? The movie start at 10:30, and I don't know why it's not starting yet. Like even in the preview stuff, because typically that's how movie theaters work. And I'm sitting there, and it's like, okay, well, it's 10.35. Well, okay, now it's 10.40. Oh, things are starting. Maybe it was just a little slow. I'm going to forgive them for that. I'm sitting through the trailers, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. They're showing trailers for, like, some darker movies here. So I guess maybe, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this might be, like, uh, thematically the same. And then, um, for example, they showed a trailer for, like, Pet Cemetery. And I was like, okay, well, there's kids in Pet Cemetery, So <laughs> I guess that this is... This is appropriate. Um, and then they showed the trailer for this uh, for us, and I was like, I, yeah, yeah, maybe there's there's kids in there too. So I guess that this is you know it's a, it's a darker movie, right? It's like, it's like, well, kids are in this exactly. So yeah, that, there, there's that... kids in both of those movies. Kids that are around the you know the kid who would be King's age around twelve. So I I'm should, sitting I'll there. Just, I'll just add in this mystery where I already know the answer to. Um, I saw the us trailer this week when i was in theaters and oh my it looks so great on the big screen too like, yeah the the part at the end there where, where nipita leongo uh is in in alter voice it scares me so yeah there's some creepy stuff there's also like on. the part where they're running through the hallway with like edward hand style with no arm movement that scares me too uh-huh. yeah but, but anyway case, back, to the, back to being in the wrong theater go on I, i'm sitting <laughs> you don't know that so. okay fine <laughs> so i'm sitting there and all of a sudden James McAvoy's voice comes on the screen, and I was like, am I in glass? Because I've already seen this movie, so I, like, why is James McAvoy here? I get my ticket out in the middle of the theater, I'm like, I'm in theater five, aren't I? And I was like, no, I'm in theater six, I was in the wrong theater, so I get up and I leave, because I get to the point where he's like, who were like a PB and J, and the glass credit starts hit, right? 
So I get up and I leave, and I get to the kid who be king. So I missed like the first ten minutes of this movie, and I need you to well, that, fill me in. Well, that sucks because they had a whole animated prologue exactly, that was really so cool. I was, I was sitting through the credits, and I was like, uh, I was reading the credits, and you know, as a good movie movie person does, because the movie is not really over until the credits are over. Um, you're reading the credits. It's like animated sequence, and I was like, fuck, I probably missed this like dope animated sequence in the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. I really liked it a lot. It was, well, it was well, really clever on, animation on, designs. Like, in general, what happens up until the point where he and his buddy uh, decide that the sword is uh, is uh, where he knights his buddy. Oh, you missed a ton, dude. Did I? <laughs> like, Shit. Well, it's like a whole animation segment, okay. and then they introduce like the mom and like him at his home, yep. and he gets to school, and his friend Betters is getting picked on by those bullies, yep. and so he. he he tries to. He basically he fights the bullies, and they get back down. And then he doesn't rat out the bullies when he gets called to the office. And then oh, they're like, he's a cool guy then. Yeah, the, you establish who his character is right <laughs> off the bat. That's what no, happens. Totally. I, I got his character too. I mean, but okay. Well, so with this yeah. with this in mind, what did you think of the movie overall? So I think that the movie overall is, um, you know, in an effort from Joe Cornish, which you mentioned, Attack the Black, and you know, when I was thinking about when I was watching this movie, I obviously thought about that movie, and I was like, you know, they're they're very different. This one is super family focused. It's very light. It's very uh, airy. Um, you know, the stakes are there, but at the same time, it's not so much like about uh, these kids from a South London uh, project house where mm-hmm. they're like trying to fight off these aliens, and it, it definitely could have been R-rated for Attack the Block. Um, but for this movie. It's fine. It's actually really like uh, it's it's there's nothing about it that is bad, um, and I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. I did, but I didn't I didn't come away thinking like, oh wow, this is an amazing movie. It's just that like for what it is, it's a family movie. It's a family feature. It is a movie where you can really learn about. It, it doesn't really sugarcoat some things too, because there's actually some some darkness about it. And I'm not talking about like I'm not even talking about Rebecca Ferguson's character. There's some darkness about it, some some truth, some life truth to it that mm-hmm. I think I was I really respected the the writer and also the director for putting into the movie. Um, Both Joe Cornish. <laughs> oh, Joe Cornish wrote it too. Wrote and directed. So yeah. good, yeah, good on Joe Cornish for writing some of these truths about you know um, how you have um, heroes in life and who those heroes might be and then who they actually turn out to be. Uh, which I think was a really like you know you don't really see all that that much and also I think that the vocabulary in here is actually really pretty cool for uh, a movie like this I mean I had to look up the word callow after after this movie um, but for the most part it's it's completely fine and I think that it's uh, visually speaking it doesn't it's it's not all there I think the 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 ghost writers um, are much better animated than than, you know, like a, a vampire, or not a vampire, but a, a dragon later that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, it is what it is. Like, here, here's where, I, uh, here's a great example of why I think it's it's fine. There's a point in which um, Alex has to go and um, kind of defeat a villain, right? Mm-hmm. And he defeats a villain, and he goes back home, and I was like, I'm fine with that, you know? That's actually not the end of the movie, but I was like, I'm fine with that, because... This is a movie that I was kind of expecting, and it's a movie that I got. Um, in terms of acting, though, uh, Louis Circus, I guess, pretty good. Um, I, I believed him as a uh, you know a vulnerable type character, mm-hmm. and also he's he's brave and he's serious enough. Um, his buddy Betters, I like that guy a lot. Um, 
there's also two other people, uh, Lance and Kay. I like those actors as well, but they're they're just like the um, the, the Lance. That's the kid that was in Dark Tower. I was gonna ask like, why does this guy look familiar? But also, yeah, it's because he was forgettable in that other movie that they didn't like. <laughs> Nobody liked <laughs> with Idris Elba, yeah. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, there, there's a lot of like uh, acting here that I think is um, very serviceable. But also, some of it is like really honest, you know, like. Like, Patrick Stewart didn't have to really give anything to this movie, but he does. Same thing with Rebecca Ferguson. They don't have a whole lot to do in the movie, but they, they, they're they doing everything that they can with it. You know, Rebecca Ferguson especially, she has literally, like, lines in which she's, like, stuck in a CGI wall. Um, you, you've danced around the best actor in this movie, who is Angus Imrie as Merlin. Like, I'm getting Thank to you. him, young Merlin. I was like, young Merlin, that guy's having a ball in this movie. That guy, mm-hmm. like, really drives oh, so much of of why, like, I laughed, and also, like, just the way that he has to act weird, but act goofy, and also at times he kind of has to, like, act like he's super weak, right? Meaning, like, he's he's lost a lot of energy. But that guy is, he's having a blast in this movie, and I think it really shows everything else is also, everyone else is also he, having a really good time. He, he, he seems like, so he's, he provides, like, that mentor quality, too, which I think is tricky for a kid to do, to actually feel like an, an aged person that knows what they're talking about. I think that's yeah. that's difficult territory for a teenager to like handle, but I think he yeah, and given that he's playing basically Patrick Stewart, like th- I give him props for that. Like that's it's a good job, totally. And that yeah, yeah. and that snap clapping thing he does for the spell, like, that's always fun. About that. Like that's never not fun to watch. Like every time he does it, and he does it a lot, I'm like that's so. He, and neat. he does different variations of it too. Yes. It's like did he just make mm-hmm. this up on the spot? Because I'm trying to follow along, and that's hard to do. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, whatever choreographed work that he was working with to do that, like, it's good. Like, it's a cool, like, aspect of this movie. I agree with you what you're saying. Like, I wouldn't say I was blown away by it, but I think it's very good. Like, it's very fun. I think it's it's a little long. Like, it's two hours, and it's like, okay, this, this there's a big chunk in the middle where they go. Like, I didn't realize that they were going to go to the countryside, essentially, for a good portion of this movie. I thought it was going to be pretty much set in, like, you know, England, like, in London, like, in the city, like, in the school stuff and everything, which happens, and it's fun. Like, I like the way it's, you know matching modern society with you know medieval adventure stuff mm-hmm. like there's a car chase that happens towards the beginning a horse slash car chase that happens towards the beginning that i think is pretty fun and the whole siege ending which is taking a lot of pages out of the battle of helm's deep i think is really well handled yeah, i think yeah. it's a lot of fun but yeah there's a big note, middle note set. To self to, to remind us to talk about all the pop culture references which i thought was very very fun for sure. But I think they have the middle section. It does begin. It drags a bit, which is like, all right, like I could get that at the same time. I feel like if I was younger, this would probably be like on the same level as a lot of the movies from like the eighties that I a lot of that people that are our age would have responded to and like, right. would be like, Oh, I can't believe they're remaking the kid who would be King. I love that when I was growing up. Like, yeah. I feel like that's one of these movies. I think it has a lot of that going for it. And it comes down to, yeah, I think Joe Cornish has a good handle on how to make a film for kids as far as it's not like it, it has scary ish elements. Like I think the skeleton warrior stuff is like, it's just spooky enough to be like, that's a little unnerving. Correct. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the effects are overdone or like too ridiculous to be like, that's just a visual effect. I don't care. I think there's some weight to what's happening. Um, I do think like Rebecca Ferguson is good enough as more like, it doesn't have much to do. Like you mentioned, like it's more of, she's a plot device as opposed to like a really evil villain, but mm-hmm. that's kind of beside the point. It's more about Alex, which is what it should be about. It's about him and his journey. Yeah. And he does go through some stuff that's more difficult than simply killing the bad guy. Right. Uh, which is effective. Which so, is... yeah, I, 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 I hope I don't have to wait too long for the next Joe Hornish film. But, like, I like that Same. he's gone from, like, making an R-rated 
sci-fi comedy adventure that's really stylish and fun to watch and gave it was John and Boyega. It, and it's so, so good. It's so, like, <laughs> it's so I, good. I, I remember watching this movie and I was like, I would pay extra to watch Attack the Block in theaters again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie works, like, it's in all kinds of ways. So but good. I, yeah. and yeah, so this is, if it's a step down, it's like, sure, but it's not like, it's not because it's bad, it's just because it's different and it's like, yeah, it, it has a different kind of appeal that's obviously not necessarily directed right at me, but I'm, right. Uh, you know, I want to see what Joe Cornish does. So I'm happy to see this, and it's like good for him that he can make a film that feels like something that a kid would want to go and watch. It's a right. shame that this movie didn't make nearly enough as it should have at the box office. I did not expect that, but still, I it's all the more reason well, for this. What was its uh, total of, for the weekend? Like seven million. Oh man, that's that is lower than I thought. It's pretty low, and it's yeah. like yeah, it's a January release with no stars. Like I get it, like it's not going to break the bank, but at the same time, it can just become one of those cult favorites that kids grew up with watching. Right, and so which is not exa- it's not something like that's ideal. You want to be like, like, hey, I spent sixty million dollars on a movie and only made ten, but guess what? In twenty years, people are going to really love this. Like that's not was exactly it, was the it ideal. Actually, sixty million. <laughs> it's like fifty nine million. That's a lot of money. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you can see it though, and I think it's all there on the screen. Well, it's actually, you know. We're going to talk about Glass, and I think you guys talked about Glass, too, but Glass uh-huh. is clearly a $10 million or $20 million movie. Well, we'll um, talk about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but for this one, I, I do want to say that, um, again, everybody, you were talking about, like, hey, like, you know, it's not it's not crazy dark, and the example that I would give is when Rebecca Ferguson is, like, kind of, like, layering about, you know, she's got to, like, go through secret crevices and whatever else when she's trying to stalk Alex. It's like, it's, it's not as though it's spooky, you know what I mean? So it's not for an adult to be like, this isn't affecting me. It's like... It's for kids. It's not a movie in which you're supposed to be like, oh, I'm waiting for a jump scare because there's no jump scare coming. You don't, you shouldn't expect that because if you haven't seen from the rest of the tone of the movie, it's not a movie for anyone that's like, you know, it, it is a movie for everybody, but it's not one in which you're going to be like, oh, wow, you know, I was expecting like a hardcore fight with swords and blood and guts. It's like, I mean, I, no. yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's expect. I mean, it's PG. Like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, exactly. Yeah. And it I, feels I mean, like a it's PG not movie. like, as much as we like Attack the Block, it's not like Attack the Block is this giant box office accessory, like, man, from the director of Attack the Block. Know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you gotta advertise it the I way it is. I will say, though, know? again, for Attack the, Lo- uh, Attack the Block Love, I remember introducing it to a few people, and they're just like, I fucking love this movie. I was like, I'm glad. Mm. Okay. Uh, but for this movie, good. what I, what I also uh, like, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, good score in this movie, too. I was like, gonna say that, yeah. I was gonna say, like, yeah. at the end there, I started noticing the score much more when they're having, like, the siege, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I like this, you know, I remember Basin Jacks did Attack the Block, and I don't know who did this score, but it's like, it's not bad. This is, uh, it's uh, Electric Wave Bureau, so, like, clearly another, like, you know, electronic another, techno group. Uh, yeah, like, another group um, yeah. versus, like, a composer. Um, yeah, it's like, it's it's stuff like that where I'm like, I like Joe Cornish. I like what he's doing. Like, he has, it's Bill Pope is the cinematographer who's done plenty of, I mean, he did, yeah. he's, done, he's done plenty of work. He's done all the Spider-Man films. Like, he's done all this kind of stuff before. Um, so it's like, yeah, I... I like what he's trying to do here. I think there is some nifty stuff going on visually. I like the score. I like these performances because they feel kind of real right. uh, as far as what they're trying to do. Again, so Photography, you mentioned it too. There's some beautiful shots, especially overhead shots, um, in which you're either seeing things come up from the ground and they're riding against these people. Uh, but you're also seeing some beautiful shots where they're just walking the countryside, sun setting, and it's just the four silhouettes. It's, it's almost like Indiana Jones-esque. The Indiana Jones is much better, but uh, I'm saying, like, this is nothing to scoff at, you know? So there's a lot of really, really good work being done in this movie, which is what I appreciate, you know? There's not there's not, there's not a whole bunch of cuts the way that other child or, or family movies are, where they're, like, they're cutting to the next joke or they're cutting to the next action sequence, or whenever there's dialogue, you see a bunch of cuts. It's like, no, this is actually a really restrained, good director 
take on things. And so I don't know why people don't make more movies like this for everybody. Like, you know, children will grow up, and like what you're saying, Aaron, you know, like you and I grew up with stuff like The Dark Crystal or like uh, uh, um, uh, The NeverEnding Story or something like that where, where it's like, these are really good movies. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not specifically like just well, for they, kids they, stuff, but they, they have personality. That's what they have. They have like a tangible quality to them where it's yeah. like I can see I can see like I can see this, I can see the effort being put into it. I'm not saying Correct. movies don't have effort put into them, but there's something about watching like actual puppets and things like that. And this movie, you know, obviously there's a lot of CG in it. Right, right. But there's there's just something to the filmmaking that suggests Here's somebody that seems to get what that audience is looking for, why they're going to be like have a sense of wonder. Yeah. And I'm not saying the kid who would be king is the shining example of what that is, but it does seem like this movie is in touch more with what that is than a lot of other movies that are like it. These yeah, for days. sure. That's, that's how I feel too. And, and speaking of like Joe Corner's kind of Spider Verse is another one that's exactly Spider Verse like is one of the yeah. best movies of the year. From I know, but like that, that's a huge example. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just to say like you know Joe, Joe Cornish, I also like the way that he his take on movies, you know what I mean? What I mean by that is, you know, he, he has a sense of whimsy. He has a sense of self-discovery in some of the stuff that he's putting out there. So it reminds me a lot of like Edgar Wright, where it's like, that guy just seems like he loves making movies. He loves movies and then he'll love like putting um, references in them. So speaking of which, what I liked about this movie is like, it's not giving like an F you to any of like the movies in which they mention in this movie. Like Percy Jackson, um, Lord of the Rings, Sam, they mentioned like a lot of like Samwise and Frodo and, and whatever else. I think it's actually kind of more, more of like a, a thank you to those guys because like, hey, you know, you know, I really like those movies as well. I think that they serve their purposes in terms of like young adult audiences. But here's my take on those young adult audience type movies. And I think that Joe, Joe Cornish does a really good job of putting together uh, a story, um, villains, heroes, um the arc of these of all the friends and then also like the last piece which is like the home piece you know what i mean like bastion um doesn't really get along with his dad but at the same time like at the end there like i don't think that there's anything that's really resolved um uh right because like his dad just sends him off to school and then i don't think you see his dad again for the rest of the movie mm-hmm. but for this one like they, they come full circle and it's like yeah you know like that's one of the things that some movies kind of lack is like a really like they'll have really strong parent and child relationships but if that's the case then it misses out on some other pieces and i guess an example that i can think of um is a wrinkle in time right it's like hey here's some really cool stuff that you can see but the the father and daughter relationship isn't the strongest like when it's there it's actually pretty good because chris pine's really good but like they say, there's a movie that, as much as like we wanted to like that movie, that's one that just doesn't seem like it got what was really supposed to work right. for kids. Like how that was really supposed to play to the best. Like it did, a, it did a good job of setting things up to a degree and like having me want to see where this would go. But like as far as delivering on that sense of whimsy and wonder, like it just was, it was lacking. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying about this movie is just that it it actually captures a lot of things and it does it well. But it doesn't do overkill on it, and that's mm-hmm. the part where I think that the restraint really comes in handy. Um, I will also say that what I liked about um, this movie is that they all wear jackets with hoods, and those mm-hmm. come in. Those are those are practical uses. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like we both like the Would Be King quite a bit, and would recommend it. Would recommend. All right. Let's keep moving. We got a few other things. We're just going to kind of go back and forth uh, from here because Abe, you've caught up with some things, and I saw some things this week. Right. Uh, so what did you what What did you see? 
Uh, another movie that I saw was Glass, not because I watched it in the wrong theater, but because I watched, <laughs> but, but because I saw it before. Uh, I, I saw it like early or late last week, I, I'd say. Uh, so I finally caught up with it, and I am on the side of Alex Billington. I I, I wish that I was on the podcast because I would it would be a two versus two kind of thing, where it's like it's not bad. It's 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 not bad because I was entertained throughout. But the messages, like what you said, Aaron, the messages and, and everything else is not I, – I didn't need that because I already know that this is a superhero movie. It's a superhero trilogy. There's elements that, you know, like, oh, this is an origin story. Like, the villains are going to come together. It's like, you don't need to tell me everything piece you know, by piece by piece. You're saying, this is the showdown, and they're going to fight now. It's like, yeah, I see them. They're out the window, right. standing there about to fight now. Like, what are you like, telling me? No, I totally get that. But at the same time, when I was watching, just watching it for the sake of watching, it's like, I, I dig where this is going. Like, I don't think that you're right about the whole entire, like, red herring of, like, needing uh, a Nakatomi-type plaza uh, showdown. It's like, I don't want to – yeah, if I, I'll, I will say because we – last week's episode, it was a full spoiler episode for Glass. I don't want to spoil things here. No, no, uh, don't worry. Yeah, I, I won't yeah. say anything. But basically, I was like, I'm not expecting a showdown, you know, like that crazy. Um <laughs> But with all that being said, though, uh, I think that there's yeah the first third I was I was super intrigued in, and the second third I was like you know it's a little bit it, it, there's not enough psychoanalysis slow. going on. <laughs> it's yeah, slow. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of psychoanalysis going on, and you're kind of just misusing Sam Jackson. And also, I know that everyone is in love with James McAvoy's uh, his portrayal from Split. But it's like I think for Split it was more methodically used, right? To I, create I, an effect. It's it's because I agree. Where I had it was something about Split that got me was like, well, they keep saying he has twenty three personalities, but he's only shifting through like four of these. He's only shifting through like four of them, and like toward the end of the movie in Split, you'll see like more of them. But that's just like whatever, you know. Um, it, it, this one, but this one's like we're gonna give you all of them. Like, well, that's well, this fun one's like too, we're but now it, all but, now them, it, but also we'll give you but, Hedwig, which people seem to like a lot. And I was like, why? <laughs> so like, it. it so what I'm saying is this one gives you all of them, but now it just feels – it doesn't feel – it's, like, great for McAvoy. He's able to do this, but at the same time, as far as this movie goes, it just doesn't feel like it's – it just feels like too much. It feels like I'm getting a lot – it feels like a caricature at this point and not a person that's suffering from this thing or dealing with a thing where that actually gives him different personalities. Like, I don't really care in the same way that I did about him and Split, a movie that's that I also fair. just didn't really like. So. Yeah, no, that's fair, because I think that we, even with Split, when when you're kind of trying to understand who the original, or not the original person, but who the person is, his name is Kevin, you know, it's like, oh, this, you kind of kind of feel sorry that there's so many, there's so much shit has happened in his life that he has to have uh, DID, right? But at the same time, for this one, it's just, okay, James McAvoy's here doing more of the same, and he's just got more, people know, people already have a sense of what he's going to do, so let's just amp it up. And like what you guys said, too, Bruce Willis is just like, why Why is he, he's not even trying. Like, there's, there's nothing about his performance where I'm just like, this is awesome. What I did like about it is that they, did, they brought the, the son back, um, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's the original guy. Because, uh, and I was like, that, that's cool. That's a, that's a nice like, um, that's a nice like, uh, what's the term? Um, well, continuity. Well, uh, they brought him back. They brought the mother back. It's the same actress that plays Jackson's mother in the in the Unbreakable. And then that's yeah, true. On, I didn't like the makeup and, on her though. Um, and then, well, yeah, because she's actually younger than Sam she's Jackson. She's younger, but also life. I just don't like the makeup because it didn't look good. <laughs> and then you have 
Anya Taylor Joy was in Split Johnson. as well. Yeah, so. so I I think that for the most part, I was actually kind of entertained throughout it. Um, again, when you when you stop and think about it, that's when it starts becoming becoming more bothersome. Um, and I or as I like to call it, it's not as I like to call it a bad movie. That's that's what I say. That's fair, yeah, because I I think that it kind of ends off at a spot where I was like, I think this movie's trying to make me feel as though it's smarter than it is. Um, and at that point, I was like, I don't like this ending because it's like, what are we trying to prove here that the superheroes are real? So let's make it go viral. It's like, um, I don't know. If that's how the internet works. Uh, and also, it's like, I don't also like. There's there's another uh, Sham or Shyamalan has like a couple plot twists in here and I was like one of them was like I kind of like this idea here, but at the same time like it's just it's carried out in such like a, a ridiculous way like especially with um, how they identify it with with being in this circle this specific group and I was like I, 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 I don't know I, I, so you haven't listened to our whole I haven't listened to yet. all of it no. yeah, do you guys talk we, about a specific part? oh we oh we oh, oh we talk about the entire thing yeah. if we talk about especially specifically the ending because there's so much going on there but yeah i because i don't want to no, i no, want to like talk it with you but yeah. obviously i don't want to reiterate don't or, worry you know, yeah i'll go back and listen to it but for the uh, on the that's, whole like I that actually... said i was disappointed that you didn't weren't here last week because i had an inkling that you'd probably be like more on alex's side and so that would have given us what we were going to go the two yeah. it still worked out. <laughs> yeah so alex if you're if you're listening i'm on your side buddy i enjoyed the movie when i was watching it Sure, the ideas are a little bit dumb, and also the ideas are a little bit outdated, to be honest with you, especially given how far along we've come with, with superhero movies. I'm not even saying like some of these movies are fantastic, but we just mentioned Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, and that movie has a message of like anyone can be a superhero, um, and they actually just wear their Spider-Man costumes all throughout. So it's not as though I know that that's because Peter Parker, you know, everyone's in mourning, and so you can wear your Spider-Man costume. But still, it's like the ideas have changed quite a bit, and so um, I think the last thing I will say is like what what was fascinating about Unbreakable and what was fascinating about Split is that you didn't go in knowing that these are superhero movies. You know what I mean? They were real life movies, but then they featured that this guy was super strong or super smart. Or one of them is a villain, one of them is uh, a hero. And then in Split, it's like, oh, this guy, there is something called the Beast. Um, and the Beast has this amalgamation of, of characteristics. But this one's like, you know what's going to happen. You know who these people are, and you're kind of expecting some cool shit to happen. And while it maybe succeeds on, like, you know, maybe 50% of that, the other 50% is just, like, telling you... It's, it's it's telling you how superhero movies work, and I was like, I don't need to hear this. Yeah, I uh, I like it less than when we talked about it last week, so I don't really have much to add about Glass. <laughs> so. Yeah, what was what's your next movie then? Uh, my next movie is Escape Room. Um, this is a new film directed by Adam Robitaille, who directed last year's January horror release, uh, Insidious: The Last Key. Um, I like this movie, kind of. Um, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I think this movie is like 100 minutes. I think 75 minutes are pretty terrific. Um, it, it All involving the escape room stuff. Like, the movie throws you in pretty much right away. Oh. It starts with, like, a, a NVIDIA Res opening, which I didn't really care for, because I'm like, why tell me this? NVIDIA right? I get Res, the, industry terminology. You know, like, throw you into, like, here's a scene from later in the movie that right. you're going to think about later. And it's like, why do that? And I get that it's setting up, like, this is how an escape room works, and, like, in a pretty intense way, but it's like... I didn't need that. Um, but 
once it gets into it, which again is very quickly, it does a great job of like showing you escape rooms that are trying to kill you. Essentially, like it's doing a good job with that. It's it gives you for one thing, it gives you characters that you like and you want to see them succeed because it's heavily focused on them solving puzzles together, and that's rewarding. Like it's rewarding to watch people work together and actually accomplish something. That's a fun thing to see in a movie like this, where there's a mystery of how do you get out of this room. Mm-hmm. So you get. You get that, and all the rooms are very creative. You you have the opening ones like an it's like a waiting room. Next one's like a uh, like an ice area, like it's very cold. There's one that's very clever. That's a bar that's upside down. Like so, it's there's some really creative like set design and whatnot going on, and it doesn't it doesn't have like a formula. It goes by the the char- Not every room features one character dies. Then you move on. Like there's twists to how we eliminate certain people in this movie. And all the actors are just kind of low enough on the fame scale where you can't necessarily predict which one's going to leave. <laughs> I like that, Ben. It, so it's like, you're not, you can't be like, well, of course this person survives because they're the final person that's going to be in this movie. Like, you can, I'm not saying it's brilliant writing. You can pretty much guess where, which character or characters will likely make it through most of this. But at the same time, I think there's enough there that, like, keep you, it keeps the suspense going. Um, and again, that's a good chunk of the movie, and then the end just really doesn't do good. Like it just wait, wait, it, it's not good. At the at the, like the last fifteen minutes, it seems like it's trying to cram in a ton of stuff to like explain certain things and set up a sequel, which we'll probably get because the movie's doing fairly well at the box <laughs> office. So it's like I get what you're doing, and I see why this is here. I'm just not a huge fan of the execution. Okay. I think. I think there's a justification for why certain things play out the way they do. I just hate that it's it's kind of cramming it all within a small space to like make to like make you understand everything that's going on before we move on to like with the next escape room movie, Escape Room Two, still escaping. Like so, it's there's enough here to recommend. <laughs> subheadline. There's a good. There's enough here to recommend. I think because I do think this. The, if you're seeing a movie called Escape Room, you get like six or seven escape rooms that are all really cool to watch. Like so, that aspect delivers on it. So here's here's uh, the thing that I was watching or that I was curious about when I was watching the trailers. Like, how big is this place? If I'm seeing stuff like like a freezing Arctic tundra and also like a flame room and also like this upside down bar room, do they explain it, that? Yes. Okay, all right. I mean, there's there's a there's a logic to how these rooms work. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because I've heard some some good things about this as well. I know that it's kind of getting mixed reviews, but um, what I'm excited I mean, about is just the idea that it's not like what you just mentioned. It's not what you it it doesn't go paint by numbers in terms of like oh it's it's a movie and it's a survival type horror movie. You know what I mean? Um, so there's like, like yeah, some it's, twists it's, and turns. Yeah, it's like a mystery throw of horror elements, and and it's PG-13, so it doesn't have to rely on like you know gore to in the same way that like a Saw movie would, which is obviously had this and like Cube obviously has a lot of things in common with, but it doesn't have to rely on the grisliness of it. It instead has to rely on character interaction and mystery solving, which is like that's a that's a benefit in my. Can I eyes ask you just another general question? Yeah. When they're trying to get out of the escape room, is it like a real escape room where they have to like solve a bunch of clues and are the clues yeah. actually kind of cool? Oh yeah. Okay. For sure. No, there's and it's and there's there's a personal aspect to them. Um so it it they're they're right. rooms that are that, themed around things like involving the what characters. They mentioned in the trailer as well. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like 
somebody must be knowing all like their fears or what have you. Yeah, there's there's things there. I mean, again, it I, I'm not going to say, man, the screenplay was killer for this movie called Escape Room, but I do think that there's an ex, there's a level of effort that went into something like this that I think was beneficial to a movie for for a January horror release, which you usually get. This is certainly one of the best ones I've seen in quite wow. some time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and not to be not to be mistaken with uh, Escape Plan. Not to be escape with escape, escape plan, correct? <laughs> or escape plan to Hades? Is that really what it's called? <laughs> it's called something, 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 something close to that. It has Hades in the title. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, the next movie that I oh sorry is is that all you had to say about escape plan or escape room? It is called Escape Plan to Hades. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I. Had. Uh, the next movie that I caught up with was uh, Bumblebee. This is a movie that came out uh, Christmas last year, and I finally caught up with it. I think like three, two weeks ago. Um, and I think that it, yes, by default, it is probably the best Transformers movie. Where I think that you and I like when things where there's a large universe kind of takes it down um, to a, a, a more manageable. Uh, digestible piece even with stuff like biopics and documentaries um i think that that's kind of where at least i fall on things because i don't need to necessarily understand every every uh uh decepticon and i also don't need to understand like every uh um what are the other guys called Autobots. autobots yeah it's like i don't need to see like where all of them what all of them are doing all the same time kind of thing it's like because it's a contained movie, just kind of with Bumblebee and yeah, Dylan O'Brien bummer about what happens to his voice box. Um, it, because it's self-contained, it is able to give you more of a Bumblebee character where you can kind of start to understand um, why you know why Bumblebee is like a really cool guy. But uh, as the movie goes, yeah, sure, Haley Stanfield's fine in it, and I think that um, the person who plays her mom, who's been in in TV shows like Louie, she's a comedian. Um, she's really good in it as well. Uh, I think you guys were talking about Ron the last time when I was listening back to it. I like that guy a lot. You know, like he's he's like the the boyfriend of the mom. That guy has got some. some... Oh yeah, I thought he, I thought he was funny. Like no, but the... like he's he's like a grounded character. You know what I mean? Like it's not as though he's like the guy who's like a jerk to the mom. You know what I mean? It's like oh, it's mom's new boyfriend. He's a jerk. no, but he's still he's, he's still he's condescending. Like a yeah. He's still condescending. To, he's like if you smile more, like that kind of. Thing. Yeah, but I mean, he gave her a book about how to smile more and win friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's like some some nice small elements of it, which is just that. You know, she's a, she's a kind of like a rebel and she, or Haley Sanfield's kind of a rebel and she kind of just wants to do her own thing and get away. But at the same time, like, you know, she kind of discovers that there are things worth fighting for, I suppose. But from, uh, from a Transformers perspective, yeah, the, the fight on, on, um, Cybertron is pretty cool. Um, the way that Optimus Prime moves in this movie, I know that it's more like more cartoonish looking. But still, that's the way that I would probably want to see Optimus Prime moving. You know, he's he's really, really agile, and he can, like, kick people's asses, um, like, three at a time kind of thing, and then rip people's heads off. You know, there's actually some really, like, dark stuff in this movie as well, but on the whole, it's it's a pretty good movie for people to check out whenever they can. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to go for the rest of the movies moving forward for this uh, franchise. Uh, I would hope that they're a little bit more small like this, um, but obviously Transformers makes a ton of money. Although this one like made the the least amount, I suppose. Oh, just to put things into perspective, yes, this one made 438 worldwide so yeah. far, which is lower. But that was intent. That was 
that was something they could have expected just because of the diminishing returns. And again, the last night basically flopped. I mean, it made 600 million, but the previous film made like 1.2 billion. So that's not a good, that's not a good number when you're making new Transformers. Yeah, it's not not a good, like, you know, it's diminishing returns at this point. It's very much diminishing returns. And this one is obviously more smaller scale. It had a smaller budget. In a smaller scope, and yes, it came out at Christmas as opposed to the summertime, and so the it was oh, more about the legs, the legs than yeah. it was the overall gross. And yes, it did it did well for the size of movie it was, and given all the competition around it. Right. Um, and from there, I mean, it it came down to instead of Bumblebee just being like, here's a fun spinoff thing, it became what does Paramount get to continue this exactly. based off of this movie? And that's and, that's a question that I love to to. That's exactly the question that I had too, which is like. Oh, Paramount, you're you're kind of like a at a uh, a really weird you know crossroads right now, which is like, do you continue with this Bumblebee type thing, or do you go back to your whole entire you know Mark Wahlberg action movie, Michael Bay stuff, which makes money, but it's just like, well, it keeps making less and less money. Not comprehensible so. <laughs> at all. You know what I mean? Um, so I the way that this movie ends, I thought was actually really really well done. Um, which is like it's it's. It's bittersweet on the Autobot side, right? Because it's not as though it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to grow old with you kind of thing. It's actually like, here's where we part. Um, yeah, and, but I mean, if they made Bumblebee too, you know they're going to bring the same cast back together again. <laughs> like, it's not, and if so, then I'm cool with it. But at the same time, I just like that it was uh, aware enough to be like, you know what? If this is a standalone movie of, of one time only, it's a really good standalone movie. You know, oh, yeah, it's, it it's, 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 it's wearing its ease. It's wearing its E.T. Iron Giant glove on its sleeve, so I mean, it, it knows what it's doing. As I also far want as to shout to out deliver. Travis Knight. I mean, that guy. Mm-hmm. You and I, you and I love like a. I think a lot of people love like as well, but Travis Knight, that guy can make a movie. Yeah, and I look forward to if he wants to keep doing this, sure. If you want, and but if he wants to keep doing other live action stuff, I look forward to that too, because clearly he knows how to handle himself in that realm as well. But so. I, just the way that he makes these movies, in which you know he includes family with it, that's all that I that that you know. It's it's a really. It's a direction which some people kind of miss out on. We just talked about the kid who would be king, and I really like uh-huh. the, the aspect of, you know, um, Joe Cornish kind of going full circle, just like not only action sequences and the kids being a part of it, but also it's about his 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 own family, right? Not just yeah, I mean, his if, mom, but also if, his if dad you, and if his you take if, other people. If you take out the um the you know the the normal Transformers bullshit, like you still get a you get a good kids movie in there essentially, and so yeah, it for works. Sure. You know, it's like a. Even even that annoying little brother, he's he's kind of cool by the end of it. Yeah, you saw Bumblebee and you liked it. I saw Bumblebee and I liked it. All right. Um, the next film on my list is They Shall Not Grow Old. Okay. This is the new documentary directed by Peter Jackson, who is basically given the task um, to take a bunch of old World War One footage and do something like fun and unique with it. This is literally what he said in his introduction to the film at the theater, which was so much fun because I think Peter Jackson's a great personality. Um, so just like seeing him talk about this for like five minutes of what he was trying to do and just have such a like smile and sense of glee about it. It's like, that's funny. He's like, it is like, they just gave it to me and I was a Twitter and I was like, okay. And, like, like that's like a, such a personable person. Like listen, if you listen to his commentary tracks for like Lord of the, or any of the movies he's done, he's such a fun speaker. Just like you're, so I, that's why I was so excited about the Hobbit movies when Guillermo del Toro was going to direct them because it was like, these two 
two guys are so much fun separately, putting them together, like, that sounds great. And then that didn't work out, so fuck it, whatever. Not but only still. that, but I mean, also, like, the Tintin movies. I would have loved to see, like, the back and forth between Spielberg and, uh, and, yeah. and Jackson. See, I, I did see that at Comic-Con. They were all talking about Tintin. It's like, God, when are they going to make another one of these? I know, for real. <laughs> you, like, we are the, we on this podcast. One. Yeah, we are Tintin mans on this podcast. Yeah, so. that was a really good summer for, for another family and slash kids movies, because Hugo also came out that year. That was all the winter. That was that was no that was when when November and December oh, yeah, when those right. movies came out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, how was the documentary? Yeah. Um, it's quite good. Um, uh, like really good. So what? Yeah, Peter Jackson did. He, he got all this like six hundred hours of like unseen World War One footage, and you know how old footage looks, where it's you know obviously it's old, it's black and white. There's it's it's kind of like everyone looks like they're walking fast because that's just kind of the way the cameras are rolling and everything. So this they, movie they already had sixty frames per second back in yeah, they already, they already had it. So what so what Jackson did was like he used Weta he and his all the people at Weta they like just restored all of this footage and so they colorized it they slowed it down they added and they added sound effects and voices just kind of approximating what things that they could be saying maybe just kind of to like make it all kind of fit. And how the movie works, it's really clever. So, like, it shows you the first, like, 10 minutes is showing you just the, the regular footage and just kind of setting you up for World War One. It's going, it's like, it feels like it's like an oral history. Okay. You know, you know, like, the oral history, like, you read it, you just, it, like, goes over the entire process of how something happened. Yeah. It's, it's showing you that with World War One essentially, where, like, the opening is before the war starts and you're getting all this documentary footage that's kind of, and the whole thing is, is, like, there's, like, 200 different veterans all narrating. They're all giving you so much dialogue about this so you just keep jumping back and forth to different people hearing their recollection of like what led up to things where things went and how they ended so the first 10 minutes is all setting up world War one then you get into all the footage just like into amazing restored footage and it's still like it's all just hearing narration from veterans talking about this and so the whole all the restored footage is all focused on when they're actually in the war and and so you're you're seeing all this stuff you're seeing and it's pretty grisly you see like people dead and like the trenches and stuff like it's rated R for a reason there's some grisly moments as far as what you're like watching but it's so like the restored effect is so well done and just like the stories you're hearing are so engrossing and so it's just this this great meld of like storytelling and visual wonder and that's something I really like about Jackson he's up he, he for for me, he's uh, and I imagine for many people that just understand and like filmmaking, like he's up there with James Cameron and Spielberg and others for me, where it's like these are guys that are pioneers in this kind of field, where they're not just making movies to like entertain you or to shed light on a social topic, and those aren't bad things. They're doing things that just nobody's doing. Well, that they're well, let me they're, they're on that. inventing technology yeah. to make movies for you. Well, let me expand on that too, because it's not so much about like, hey, you know, let me n- take new technology and whatever else, but. What I really like about some of these people, like that you mentioned, the Camerons, the um, Jacksons, and uh, even like the Soderberghs of the world, uh-huh. is is more like, hey, you know what? I've made money doing movies and movies uh-huh. that I like. Now let's do things that I'm really also interested in and continue to push my own limits. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. the sign of like somebody who is intra- I- I- super intrigued with the craft of filmmaking. And I think that's really what I appreciate the most about. Even somebody like Damien Chazelle, that guy could have stuck with like musicals, right? Instead, he decides to make like First Man, which nobody really, no, which a lot of people didn't like. But technically speaking, it is crazy beyond anything that I've seen him do before, right? So keep pushing your. Oh, limits, I agree. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I love when directors push their limits. So you know, Jackson doing something like this, where it's like, let me restore footage from like a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, dude, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it's. 
<laughs> it's great. I mean, it's such a it's it's great to watch. And it's like I think it's like it's like ninety five minutes or something like that. It's not long, mm-hmm. um, but it's such a it's like I said, it's very engrossing to like watch this whole thing and hear all these different voices and everything, and just looking at the process and just seeing like this is not how this looked before, but because he has this visual effects studio that he built like he can do this kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's it's for the purpose of like yeah, it's a neat like historical doc like it's not it's not telling you a specific story it's just giving you a like a big approximation of what it was like to be in world war one and he happens to know how to make that look and sounds like something you've never seen before mm-hmm. and that's insane that's insane that peter jackson's like by the way guys like they gave me a bunch of this stuff so i just went to my visual effects studio that i built myself worked with all my filmmakers and said let's make let's see what we can do and this is what they came up with this amazing thing that you just you don't see anything like this out there anywhere do so it's that, like uh, do you think um uh who's uh do you think man i forgot his name uh documentarian who makes a whole bunch of like 14 part pbs series ken ken burns ken burns you think ken burns is super mad right now I mean, they're they're different kinds of filmmakers. I mean, yeah, but Ken I, Burns hasn't done this type of uh, type of documentary though. Oh, just wait for you know Ken Burns' take on I don't know the Korean War, and we'll see what that, <laughs> see where that goes. Well, that's good. So this yeah. is in limited release, or is it in? It was full? so so it was at a like it was a fathom thing when I saw this, but apparently it's it is going to be expanding to theaters. I think sometime in February. Okay. So yeah, I'd certainly encourage people to watch it because yeah, it's it's it, there's nothing like this out there. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's that seems like reason enough for someone to want that likes movies to want to go and see a thing. Peter Jackson's a huge World War One junkie, by the way. Like he's a huge fan of it. His father served in World War One, and I think he devoted the film to him. So oh, nice. it's like. Yeah, it's it, it's like one of his passions, and so it's uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of working for it there in that regard. Um, I saw another film as well that I wanted to mention. Uh, it's called Border. Um, I wanted to watch this because it got nominated for a best um, best makeup uh, Oscar nomination, um, and I I had the screener for it. It's one of Neon's films, and Neon sent like this fancy package that has a bunch of films. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was like, oh cool! I have now I have more of a reason to check this out sooner than later. This is a weird movie. <laughs> it is is a, it? It's basically like it, it's like a an art house version of Bright. Uh, you're not selling me on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the movie exists in a world where trolls do exist and they live amongst people. And it's not an uncommon thing. Uh, it's Swedish. Um, the, it star it, it, these names. It stars uh, Ava Ava Melander as a Swedish border agent who okay. is a troll. She is, she is a troll. She has like a face that. And this is why it's nominated for best makeup because the people that play the trolls in the movie, there's two of them. They look nothing like the people <laughs> the the trolls that they get play. it. Um, but she's a Swedish border agent, and she has because she's a troll, she has an ability to sniff out contraband. People that are trying to cross the border into Sweden. Okay. Um, things happen, um, and she eventually meets this another troll, um, and they like form a relationship. And it's like this kind of sweet fantasy <laughs> drama thing. Okay. Um, it's I'm not gonna say it's great. It's like it wouldn't have made any like top list of any mine or anything. But it's such a unique piece of filmmaking where it's like. Well, I did not like this. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like it's a it's a really weird movie, but like it certainly earns its best Oscar, its best makeup nomination. Like sure. it's like oh, good on the good on the Academy for looking at something completely different because it's like this, this came out of nowhere as far as like it got an Oscar nomination. But it's like all right, this is a it's a weird movie. It's got a lot. It's got a weird stuff. 
do, you do love those uh, those strange movies, just like The Lobster. So seems like it's 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 in your wheelhouse. Well, like I saw a fr- I saw like a still frame from the movie. It's like, oh, this is what movie this is. It's about trolls. It's like, well, I gotta I want to watch this now. <laughs> See that coming? So, <laughs> yeah, that's Border. I think it's. Uh, it might be streaming by now or whatnot, but yeah, I just wanted. But it's got it's it's <laughs> no. nominated for best uh, best makeup. Best, nominated for best makeup. That okay. was the main reason I watched it. But yeah, I was like, got okay, now I've seen this. <laughs> so. uh, can I go back to uh, before we we jump into other things? Can I go back to the trailers real quick? There was uh, something that you and I talked about very very briefly um, called uh, Miss Bala, a trailer for Miss Bala, which has been playing in almost every movie that I've been seeing. Uh-huh. Um, can I just say that this movie looks terrible and <laughs> that? I whenever I watch it, I literally close my eyes because I don't want to see anything on the screen because it annoys me so much because it's such a paint by numbers type trailer where it's like, hey, I I have people that I care for, but in order to get them back, I've got to play both sides. And before, when I was like super weak and I was just like, you know, a, a college person, you know, hanging out. Now I now I know how the now I know how to like deceive a, a Mexican drug lord and also the DEA. It's like, what is going on here? This movie looks terrible. I know it is a remake from a more successful film. So. Let's not remake these movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Miss Bala. Okay, well, I'm glad you're able to vent about that one. <laughs> yes, yeah. Gosh, that movie. What else did you watch? Um, I watched uh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire was on, it's on Amazon Prime, and not because I hadn't seen it in a while, it's just more like, oh, you know what? I'm going to check this out. And Why not watch Jerry Maguire? <laughs> this is true, because I was listening to a different podcast where they had Aaron Sorkin on, and Aaron Sorkin, they were talking about uh, A Few Good Men, and I think that that's Tom Cruise's was, best performance is definitely A Few Good Men's up there. Was uh, it was it, it wasn't Lip Nicky cast, where they talk about the films of Jonathan Lip Nicky? Is that really a podcast? No, but I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that'd be like three movies deep. <laughs> uh, but... Um, Regina King is really good in this movie, and of all the people, like I agree that Cuba Gooding Jr. is really good in it too. Because upon, I, I don't think there's a bad actor in that movie. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. Nobody, nobody's bad in it. But in terms of like the Academy Award nominations, like dude, Regina King was really, really good in this. I could have definitely seen her for Best Supporting Actress in nomination at least, because she really drives that Rod relationship. And there's, you know, she's got to play different sides, but for the most part, it's Cameron Crowe. What happened, man? So. Like I, I remember watching Aloha, and I like some parts a zoo. of Aloha. That's what happened. <laughs> no, I like some parts of Aloha, but other parts I'm like, what the f is this? Yeah, so, that's a weird movie. We, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, that's a weird movie, and Bradley Cooper is like not giving his all, but at the same time, like you know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, let's go back to stuff like that, and also let's go back to to stuff like uh, uh, what's the movie where he's doing the the documentary or the the writing of the piece for. Uh, Almost famous. Almost famous. Yeah, let's go back to this that that kind of stuff. I'm just looking at the year for the 69th Academy Awards where Cuba Gooding won for Best Supporting Actor. Supporting Actors: You got Juliet Binoche for The English Patient, Joan Allen for The Crucible, Lauren Bacall for The Mirror Has Two Faces, Barbara Hershey for The Portrait of a Lady, and Marine Jean Baptiste for Secret and Lies. Who won? Uh, Juliet Binoche for The English Patient. She could have been nominated. <laughs> the English Patient was winning a bunch of things that year. Yeah, I mean that movie is just like sure, it's our, our period piece and also dramatic, but. Regina King is really good, really good in this role. So, Jerry Maguire. Hmm. Um, well, I'm cool. getting lash from from all that. <laughs> um. Hey, Jerry Maguire's are just sniff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really caught up on your word is stronger than oak. 
Bo Bridges, uncredited. Yeah, I was like, how do you not credit Bo Bridges? <laughs> he just came in for a favor, you know. Oh, did he really? Kind of. Yeah, I, I think they're just, you know, yeah. he, he, I was like, this he's he's totally a football player's dad. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and also a good job by uh, Jerry O'Connell playing uh, playing Kush. I just want to play football. <laughs> anyway, um, so we both saw, or at least I I saw the whole thing. You saw parts of the last movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is the Grinch, the um, the Illumination animated feature. Um, Anna and I watched this yesterday, and you coincidentally had also just seen a part of it. That's correct. Yeah. So this is a movie that came out uh, also during Christmas, right? Last year. Uh-huh. Um, and I just saw that it had been released on DVD, so I wanted to check it out, and so I started watching it, and I was annoyed from the Illumination logo, not because the minion, but now because they had Kevin Hart's bunny in it. I actually like that logo. I was enjoying it. Like, oh, I was fun. annoyed that Kevin Hart is now in all these Illumination intros now. Uh, as they're Isn't going that through. one? What do you mean all these? It's one intro. <laughs> that's one intro. Yeah, sure. That's it's not like you've been, bu- you've been like, knocked it's down not, it's by not all It's not as I've been inundated intros. with Kevin Hart introductions. Uh, as the movie goes along, you know, I was like, oh, this is a really cool uh, animation style. You know, it, it's different from some of the looks of the... Um, the Illumination stuff where, like, their body proportions... I mean, they're obviously... What are they? What, what are those people called? Um, the Who's in Whoville. They're, they're not humans anyway. But um, as it goes on there, uh, I was like, uh, you know, this is an okay narration. And then they get to the Grinch, and they start rapping the Grinch song. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I was turned off by this movie when they started rapping the Grinch is Still Christmas, the song... And then I continued watching for a little bit until they got to Keenan Allen, or Keenan Allen's a football player, but they got to Keenan Thompson. I was like, I like Keenan Thompson! And then I stopped watching the movie. Alright. Well, Anna and I watched this, as I said. I watched the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's quite good. Um, I was okay. surprised by how much, uh, both of us, Anna and I, were both surprised by how good this movie was. And I, I feel like, because I'm so down on the minions, like, I'm not a minion person. Yeah. And I didn't like the Despicable Me films or the Dominions, even though I did like three, <laughs> kind of. Um, probably just because I was worn down by them at that point. Like, <laughs> they finally right. got to you. I guess so. But like you recall, I did like Sing quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, and I eventually saw Sing like after the fact, and I was like, this is this is fun. I like that one. And so, and I like the Grinch now. So maybe it's just like the nine minion stuff and not the Lorax ever. That uh, as far as um, Illumination films goes, because this one worked for me, I, 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 it does like the Grinch isn't really ever that mean, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, like, and they even they give you a backstory on him for what's going on in his life, which I can appreciate just because it's like okay, I see what you're doing here as okay. far as establishing him. I think like the. The I mean, most, he, like, he goes to town because he doesn't have anything to let me, eat. Let me say, let me say, let me say. The, the meanest, like, the most grinchiest thing he does t- to me is that is when he, like, sees the kid trying to put the carrot in the snowman. He just takes the snowman and he just keeps, <laughs> he puts it in, but then he keeps pushing it. And he it destroys that snowman. <laughs> and it's like, that's funny. Like, he that's pushes fun, the head like, off that snowman. <laughs> he does, but it's like the way he's he's looking at him the entire time and smiling. It's such a, like, dick move, but it's just like, that's appropriately grinchy. Like, that's the closest it got to all the billboards and ads that I kept seeing that just had little slogans on them that were saying things that seemed way meaner than anything that happens in this movie. Uh-huh. So it's like, I don't know if I needed more of that kind of dickish behavior from the Grinch, but I did, like, I liked the little ones it had. But again, I think the movie's just good. Like, it's the animation's solid. Right. I do like the Illumination 
does vary it up for their movies. Like they do have different kind. Like the Sing characters are all animals, so they look like animals. Yeah. Although it still looks like Lorenz Utopia, but whatever. But <laughs> this one, like the Who's, look like who they looked like specifically like Doctor Seuss characters. I think the character design, like it all feels like a Doctor Seuss book. It's big and colorful, which is standard mm-hmm. practice for Illumination movies. But it does have a like it has a heart for a movie about a character with a heart two sizes too small. But like it 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 works for me. I do. I, you mentioned Keenan. I think Keenan's good here. I think the Cindy Lou Who stuff is quite strong, especially the, the more you like you that get she was like it. snowboarding dangerously in the first like opening minutes. Again, you didn't watch the whole thing. Yes, I did for one thing because it's like <laughs> that's fun. But also, there's a whole arc involving what her character is after that I think is quite affecting. Like, I, 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 I was afraid to go down my emotional path because uh, you know she's got to send her letter to Santa in the opening minutes, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to know what the contents of this letter read because I feel like it's going to make my heart melt. Well, it does. <laughs> and I, I just, no, I, I think I there's the Grinch. A, I think there's a lot of good stuff about this one. So I was like, okay, like I haven't been a huge fan of the Dr. Seuss adaptations. So I'm happy that this one actually was worthwhile. It felt like it just, it earned being longer than it's the span of the book that it's adapting from for a change. Got it. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like, you know, 12 pages. It's not super long. It's a Dr. Dr. Seuss book, but yes, like it, it actually works. So, in, in order of ranking I, of the Doctor's or of the Grinch Still Christmas adaptations, uh, oh, it's still the middle. It's still, yeah, it's the middle. Well, because okay. the Jim Carrey movie is terrible. So, I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like the Chuck Jones classic, greater than this movie, greater, 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 greater than the Doctor. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of greater than symbols. Because <laughs> yeah, that because that movie's terrible. You know, Ron like, Howard tried. About, I mean. We, we t- yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I know they tried. I know they and, tried. And they had like past, a set. I know. At Universal I know. For you I know the they holidays. tried because every time I go to Universal, they still have the damn set exactly. there. So sure. Yeah. yeah, they tried. It's still a bad movie. We talked about this when the movie came out. Like yeah. how much it seems like there's this weird nostalgia for that movie, mainly because it exists, not because it's any good. But it's like, oh yeah, that did come out back then. It's like that's not nostalgia. That's not praise. That's just acknowledging no. that it's old. Like that's that's not. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a. Uh, I don't want to get into how negative I am about Jim Carrey's Grinch movie. I want to talk about how fun this movie is because it's quite enjoyable. And yeah, by the end when the Grinch is you know stopped stealing Christmas and he's actually being embraced by Whoville, it's like this is so nice. Like there's such a, there's a good. I think ben, by the way, I do think Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch does a great job as the Grinch. Like he, he works. he's got he's got that that bellowy type Grinch type voice. So I, I was down for it. And it also Max out. is super cute. Yeah, and he treats him like he doesn't abuse Max and like the other. Not, not like Jim Carrey's abusing Max. Not him, and even not like in the in the Chuck Jones one that yeah. the dog gets abused quite a bit. This is like, oh, he's actually just like treating him like a dog. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> well, yes, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I this enjoyed. Is the first time honestly. you saw the movie. Yeah, I didn't see it okay. in theaters. Okay. You know how much this movie made, by the way? Um. Well, tell me what it. Tell me what its budget was. <laughs> Seventy-five million. I want to say that it made fifty million. It made 270 domestic. Oh, wow. I was really, really off. 508 worldwide. I mean, they're making money, though. They're just... Like... Ha- yeah, Illumination is killing it. And people people are not realizing how much they're killing it because it destroyed the... Like, Wreck-It Ralph barely scraped by with 200 million here. That was a Disney production, too. Yeah, yeah that was a Disney movie. This movie floored Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> like... Good job, Illumination. Good job. I didn't realize that you guys made so much money on this movie. Well, yeah, that's why we're getting Secret Life of Pets too, because the first one made eight hundred seventy-five million dollars. Oh yeah, I'm fully aware about how mediocre that movie is. And just recall, Minions made up one point one billion dollars. I don't know why people love these Minions so much. Not, not the Despicable Me movies. The Minions movie, one point one point one billion dollars. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's enough about the Grinch.
Okay, maybe I might revisit it later when I'm when I'm less grinchy. Yeah, and Keenan's funny. Like Keenan should be Kenan's more great stuff. in it. I love the, I love how he's like really into the spirit. He made me laugh. I was like, good for Keenan. Like I just I, love Keenan Thompson in general. I think he's a fun per- personality. It's nice to like. I know he's. Pres- I believe he's actually finally leaving Saturday Night Live this Is he year. Really? So I believe he's taking on a new show. Yeah. So we'll oh, see. I mean, he's, well, he's he has like he's been on there the longest. He's been so on there for like, like sixteen years or something like that. It's been a while. 12, 16 yeah. years, one of those. What a I lot. like about it is, like, I also just didn't like how they were saying it's it's the Grinch's only friend. And I was like, I already I already don't like how this story is going to play out because the Grinch is going to say something mean to him, and then they'll finally realize it at the end. But uh, I'm afraid of uh, I'm afraid of all the, the feelings I'm going to feel. You'll see, because I think it handles it quite – like, I, again, all I right, was surprised right. by how – because, you know me, I'm not a huge Illumination guy. Like, I don't – I, I don't think that kind. I am either. Yeah. <laughs> between so between like, Illumination and Blue Sky, I don't know which one is, like, the, the one that I'd, I'd put below. Blue Sky's just a place that's like – they only seem like they have good ideas, and then it's like, oh, we'll also make another Ice Age sequel. Their animation style is just not very appealing to me. So, in any case, um, any other movie reviews that you have? No, I'm done. I'm out. You're out. Okay, cool. Uh, I've got a quick quiz for you here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no need for no need for uh, any theatricality and deception, uh, which we're both masters of. Uh, but, <laughs> yep. Okay. Go on. <laughs> uh, this is just some random questions that uh, that are put together here, and I'm curious to see how many you can get. Are Are they related to anything? Nope. 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 Just uh, movie related questions uh, overall. Okay. All right. Um, cool. Who directed 2012 Skyfall? Sam Mendes? That's correct. Who won the Academy Award uh, for her role as a mother adjusting to her daughter's interracial relationship in 1967's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Um, what's your name? Uh, I know that you know this. Kate Blanchett won an Oscar for playing her. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Um, Kathleen... Mm. No, Kat... Uh... What's what's a different variation of that name? Yeah, uh, Catherine. Um, and then, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's bugging me. Yeah, fam- famous last name. I'm like blanking now because it's so random. I, I know <laughs> that you have it though. Like it's it's Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn, thank you. Yeah, Jeez. Okay, you have yeah. It. All right. Uh, which '90s romantic drama stars Clint Eastwood and Meryl Streep? The Bridges of Madison County. That's correct. Uh, which MCU villain goes by the name Adrian Toomes? Is it Michael Keaton, the Vulture? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> Who starred as Nolan Sorrento, the CEO of Innovative Online Industries and Ready Player One? Ben Mendelsohn. That's correct. Who voiced Coraline in 2009's Coraline? Dakota Fanning? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Which child actor stars alongside villainous Macaulay Culkin in 1993's The Good Son? Elijah Wood. That's correct. What is the name of Napoleon, uh, Napoleon's uncle in Napoleon Dynamite? I'm not a fan of this movie, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, okay. It's D- Dietrich Bader plays him. Dietrich Bader plays him, but his name is Uncle Rico. Rico, okay. Yeah. Um, who wrote and directed 1981's sci-fi horror film Scanners? Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Uh, the, the Court of Miracles is the name of a secret hideout in what Disney animated film? The Court of Miracles. Is it Wrinkled in Time? Not a wrinkle in time. It's a hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, the unbirthday song can be found in which Disney movie? Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Uh, other than Mowgli, what too many of the characters in 1967's Disney's The Jungle Book refer to him as? Um, man, uh, man, uh, a man cub. That's correct. Yeah. 
for the listeners, I have no idea where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this, <laughs> this, is, is, so this is literally like a random quiz here. Okay. Um, over how many activity or over what activity does Mr. Banks finally bond with his children in Mary Poppins? Basically, what do they do at the end of what, the movie? Flying a kite. That's correct. Yeah. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie's father works for what company? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So, so the 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 uh, the remake one. I don't know if you're gonna get this. Directed it's by not, um, by Burton. It's not a, is the it's not the dentist thing, right? That's that's Depp's thing. Is his father's a dentist? Um, I don't know the glue factory. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind. Of, it is. It's a toothpaste factory, but it's called Smilex. It's kind of like. A oh, so it is a. De- it is part of a dentist thing. Yeah, okay. it's like it's like a, it's a callback to like Burton's uh, stuff. Okay. Um, Tim Burton received oh, his first Academy okay. Award for which 2005 animated film? Wait, who? What? Tim Burton received his first Academy Award nomination for which 2005 animated film? The Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride. Yeah. What? Um, no, I don't think he won, but I think maybe he was nominated. nominated. Yeah. Oh, um, you, he received his first Academy Award nomination. Nomination, yeah. I see what you said. Okay. Which 1985 film was Tim Burton's directorial debut? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's correct. Uh, name the name of the actress who played uh, Alma Peregrine in 2006's Mrs. Peregr- Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Ava Green? Ava Green. Um, what is the full name of the federal agent Kevin Costner plays in The Untouchables? Elliot Ness. Elliot Ness. Uh, name two of the other actors who make up the Monuments Men besides George Clooney. Matt Damon, Bill Murray, John Goodman, John Jardine. Exactly, you've named like a lot of them. Bill, Bill, uh, Bill, Bill. Um... <laughs> uh, no, Bob Balaban. Bob, yeah, so it's not Bill; it's Bob Balaban. Yeah. And um, um, uh, Hugh Bonneville. There, got them all. Hugh Bonneville was was he like in the Paddington. office guy? No, he's in Paddington. He was in uh, he was in Downtown Abbey. No, no, yeah, I, I know, I know. You know the show Downtown, downtown Abbey. Downtown, yeah, yeah. Where they're that's, in how, that's what we call yeah. it, right? Uh, which is the only Studio Ghibli film to win an Oscar for Best Animated Feature? Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Okay, great. Uh, who played Gail Hawthorne in The Hunger Games? Gail, Gail? Hawthorne. Hunger oh, Games. that's the uh, third Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> third Hemsworth. <laughs> Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker joined forces in uh, in Rush Hour, which was released in which year? 1998. That's correct. Natalie Portman starred opposite Clive Owen, Julie Roberts, and Jude Law in which 2004 Mike Nichols film? Closer. That is correct. George Takei makes a cameo in which Walt Disney animated movie? Mulan? That is correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, which ha- uh, who played Hansel in 2013's Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? Jeremy Renner. That is correct. Uh, what is this? <laughs> which which what 1995 comedy stars Matt Damon or which 1995 comedy stars Damon Wayans and Michael Ironside? Which what 1995 family comedy stars Damon Wayans and Michael Ironside? Major Pain. That is correct. Okay. Uh, who plays science journalist Veronica in 1986's The Fly? Gina Davis. Gina Davis. Uh, which Gus Van Sant movie takes place in a fictional Walt or uh, Watt High School and chronicles the events surrounding a school shooting? Say that again. Which Gus Van Sant movie takes place? Oh, Elephant. Elephant. Uh, this actor won the Academy Award, or this actor has won the most Academy Awards for Best Actor in a Motion Picture with three. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. That's correct. Um, in Sam Raimi's the uh, in Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful, who plays Theodora, who became the Wicked Witch of the West. Mila Kunis? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of Eva DuVernay's documentary released in 2016? 13th. 13th is correct. 
The 1994 film North, starring Elijah Wood and Bruce Willis, was directed by who? Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Uh, which Kate Winslet film was also directed by Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson? Uh, Heavenly Creatures. That is correct. Um, in Crazy Rich Asians, before jetting off to Singapore with her wealthy boyfriend, Rachel Chu is known to be a successful NYU professor in what field? Is it statistics or like? It's not statistics. Like it's economics. Economics. Okay. Yeah. Um, in The Incredibles 2, what animal does Jack-Jack get into the backyard scuffle with? A raccoon. A raccoon. Uh, in Game Night, who plays Brooks, Jason Bateman's brother who sets up the interactive game, role-playing mystery game? Friend of the show, Kyle Chandler. That is correct. Uh, and lastly, who directed uh, 2017's Love, Simon? Uh, Greg Berlanti does Greg the, Berlanti the CW shows. Yeah, okay. That is correct. Um, let me let me just do... Uh, okay, cool. 20 there, and... Um, 17 there so there's 37 questions and how many did you get right I think I missed like two you missed yeah you missed like a couple which isn't a lot uh, let's see I'll just sit back in bewilderment over what this quiz was <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll explain in a second here okay alright I mean one uh, so you got Plus that. You got 33 right out of 37. Uh-huh. Uh, you missed the Smile Likes one, the Econ one, um, A Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh-huh. and there's like one more that you may have missed. Like the, Hep- the Hepburn one that I no, couldn't... No, no, like I gave the... you that one. I gave you that right. one. Yeah. Um, in any case, these are questions from Movie Trivia Schmodown. And you I had got, a feeling this is where you are going. You got like... <laughs> 99%, 97% right on okay. there. So yeah, th- those are just questions from uh, friends of the show, uh, Movie Trivia Show, I just wanted to, to get your take on how well you would do with them, and you did pretty well, Aaron, so good job. <laughs> well, thanks for this random quiz that I wasn't prepared for, but okay. <laughs> you were not prepared for it, but you really were. You've been preparing your whole life. <laughs> thanks, okay. Um... Let's uh let's go over some recent news here because uh we, I mentioned this earlier we we're going to talk about the Oscar nominations, um a bit, and um yeah those came out this week, um was it the favorite and um and Roma leading the pack with ten nominations apiece, mm-hmm. uh no real surprise there um as far do you have any takeaways i guess right or actually here how about this how about we go to what our listeners thought because i asked us a question sure. on the facebook page facebook.com facebook. podcast i asked the listeners if they had any uh, thoughts on these surprises or snubs or what have you when it came to the oscar nominations so let me read those right now i'm pulling them up mm-hmm. and here they are <laughs> great stalling uh let's see michael lee friend of the show he was disappointed by the lack of crazy rich asians getting any acknowledgement mm-hmm. um one of the main things i've heard from a lot of people is uh, tyler writes this uh won't you be my neighbor not nominated for, for best documentary best documentary um i'll talk about that in a second and uh, nathan writes first man deserves a cinematography nomination um i agree as well i can see that so the first things first, let's talk about Won't You Be My Neighbor. This is obviously, not only was this like a heavily acclaimed documentary, this was like the front runner to not only be nominated, but win the Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it came out like uh, pretty early in the... Um, in the it came out this summer. And, right, but uh, it also was, was heavily... Um, championed. Yeah. Championed by all the award circuit uh, um, festivals, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It actually had a lot of legs as well. I mean, a lot of documentaries had a lot oh, yeah, of legs, but this yeah, this was a good year like... for box office with documentary for sure. Like a lot of movies right. made money, which is not you know normal for documentaries. But yeah, one even they were certainly hit a lot of nerves. If I had to speculate upon why it didn't get the nomination, part of it I think has to do with. There's an international section of the voters, like there's a lot of international voters that mm-hmm. I frank, frankly just don't know who Mr. Rogers is. I think that's that might be part of it. They don't have this kind of reverence in the same way that other voters do, so ultimately might not get the nom there. Also, the way these voting works, often people just assume some things are a lock, so they don't vote for it. They vote for something else instead to kind of get that going. Yeah, and, that's, that's going to be possible. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I didn't really have any sort of thoughts or speculation into why it didn't get nominated. I mean... Again, I thought that the field this year was very, very difficult for documentary feature. For sure. You still, mm. You've recommended to me uh, Minding the Gap, and I still haven't seen it. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, I would say that the field here is, is one of the stronger categories. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I it is a little annoying because RBGs here and Will You Be My Neighbor not, and they're both, you know, they're both like hagiographies. They're both like going over this person and showing you detail about them. And I like Will You Be My Neighbor quite a bit. I think RGB's RBG is fine, but I don't think it's like an Oscar nominee. It's pretty okay. basic as far as how it presents the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It doesn't do anything all that interesting as far as filmmaking goes. It feels more of like it's an of the moment type nomination as opposed to one that really deserves the you know oscar recognition but there we are mm-hmm. but i will say yes with won't you do my neighbor not there i am very excited to see if free solo or minding the gap could win an oscar because i love i think those are both great documentaries yeah <laughs> so. i mean you know free solo has such a high critics um it's almost like a consensus critic like cl- i mean they uh, all do very, very all of these all of them all are very very high. Do. I mean, so mind the, the mind, gap yeah mind of the gaps on many top 10 lists yeah I mean, but i haven't i haven't uh a father and the sons i haven't heard much of that one neither have i heard much of hale county this morning this evening i have the screeners for both so i'm okay. looking forward to checking those out but um, um curious to hear what you what you think about those yeah i mean given the amount of quality docs i've seen this year i look forward to checking these out because they're oscar right. nominees like they're kind of they're yeah look forward and again to. like you know Speaking of, we'll, we'll get to this when we talk about uh, our nominations, or I'm sorry, our, our picks, but yeah, that's a that's a tough category. Yeah. Um, let's Can I see, talk uh, about an omission? Sure. Yeah. Tony Collette, Best Actress. Yeah, so there was a lot of speculation of whether she would make the, like, lead the pack then. We got the nominees here, Yulitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Mm-hmm. I mean... It's a it's a good it's a lineup good of people. Like yeah. it's not a yeah. And there is a surprise for having both 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 actresses from from Roma. You have the lead and the supporting actress. Um, supporting actress in particular, that was like she wasn't on anybody's radar at all as far as getting on. She didn't get any critics nominations for any other awards. So it's like you're talking about the this, mother from Roma. The Marina, mother from Roma, yeah. uh, Tavira. Yes. So yeah. it's like that. And but she's been like in Spanish. Um, in Mexican so in like soap operas for years, she's been acting right. for years, and just out of nowhere, she's now an Oscar. No, nominee. and also the performance is good. You know, yeah, it's a good. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's not deserving. Good performance, but it's just the the idea that oh, by the way, this person that wasn't nominated for any previous critics awards for movies leading up to this, compared to some other actresses that didn't get nominated, it's like oh, that's a surprise. So totally. good on 
Really, it's good on Netflix for putting what I hear is a ton of money behind their ad campaign to make sure that Roma gets the recognition. Again, like we talked about this just super briefly, but Netflix, if you're subscribing for like, let's just say $10, and there's 160 million subscribers, or 16 million subscribers, that's a lot of money that you're making every month. So you can definitely put a lot of money behind uh, awards contention time. I mean, they, they they clearly want that Oscar. And I mean, with 10 nominations, they're certainly trying, they want that respect. It they want to this sit year. It seems like they want to sit at that big boys table. It's like not only have we come to play, we have Oscars that go with it. Right. Like that's, and that seems I know like... that like a couple of years ago, the 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 face off was between Amazon and Netflix, and Amazon has already defeated them on that front because they got they got uh, Manchester with the sea. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think that they're going to come out with some more stuff for sure. I mean, even if it's not this year, I think it's pretty obvious that Netflix is. I mean, they got yeah. Not only did they get Roma, they got Buster Scruggs got four nominations. They got nominations, which yeah, is, but also I, it's yeah. not even it's not even just this year. You know, um, Beast of No Nation was nominated a couple of years ago as well. So, but it was it wasn't nominated. It was oh, they it was wanted, not nominated. They My wanted bad. it. They they, yeah. they they put the effort behind it, but right. they're still kind of new at the game. And, My bad. You know, last year was bigger because they had Mudbound among other things, and their documentary game has always been strong too. But that's a bit of a different you know kind of category there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this year obviously they came out swinging with Roma and Buster Scruggs and a couple other things that they certainly considered right. as far as like how do we get these movies to get some recognition. But yeah, they got plenty of love for, plenty for of Netflix. Love, yeah. But for the best actress, you know, again another pretty good field. Um, but yeah, Tony Collette was destroying in that movie, both literally and figuratively. So um, you know, maybe Oop. maybe it'll come later. But I, how many times is Tony Collette gonna be? Lead actress, you know, I, she's a well-known actress and she's a good character actress, but these roles do come around very few uh, times in, in careers, right? I mean, she does have a previous Oscar nomination for the success. For the success, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, though, and yes, I mean that was, you know, it's horror, and I is it disappointing to an extent? Yes, I mean, I think there's a strong lineup here. At the same time, it's not to me, it's not surprising. I, sure. It's not necessarily fair if the line of thought is like, it's a horror movie, so it can't be nominated. I don't even know if that is the line of thinking. It could just be, hey, we like these performances more, although I've still only met two people that have seen The Wife, and one of them is Marcus. So it's like, okay. Yeah, I, I've um, just heard that it's definitely an actor's movie, so I'm not surprised that Glenn Close got nominated there. And yeah, she, and she's been nominated six previous times, so it's like, yeah, she's a favorite as Has far as... she always as... lost to Meryl Streep? Because if that's the case... She might. It might be this year. <laughs> she won't have any wins. <laughs> I, I won't be surprised if there are multiple times where she has lost to Meryl Streep at the same what, time. What, what would be hilarious is if they're like, you know what, we're going to scratch one of these people out from Meryl Streep. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, Colette was nominated. Um, the technical categories is where there's a lot of, like, wow, some, things, some choices made here. Cinematography, I mean... Yeah, there are some great nominees here, but it's like First Man was left out, Beale Street yeah. was left out. These are amazing looking movies. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Beale Street yet, but I've heard great things about the cinematography. It's such but a I will yeah. say that the cinematography again when we talked about First Man, it's like yeah, the story for me was like uh, it was good, but it wasn't great, and I think that you liked it way more than I did. Uh, but still, technically speaking, it looks amazing, and the way that they shot it, and the way uh, again, like I mentioned this on when I reviewed it. There are such there are some beautiful shots that made me teary eyed and it was crazy like that never happens. To stay on first man for a second, it also lost it didn't get nominated for best score, which is so like that movie's been racking up awards because of its score and that it didn't even get nominated for it, which is yeah. insane to me. It's not it's not I I mean the Beale Street score is my favorite score of the year, so I'm like yeah that got there, 
But at the same time, it's like, that, that was a big surprise because it was winning everything up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, once again, first, because honestly, I just really would have liked to see First Man get a lot more Oscar nominations, and it didn't. But it missed out on editing. It's like, that's another huge one that easily could have been. Like, editing is a huge part of this movie. Yeah. As far as what you're doing with this. Um, it, it's also, you know, again, to stick on the technical stuff, I haven't, excuse me, I haven't seen some of the, um, like, it has it has for best sound uh, editing. Mm-hmm. But sound mixing, I guess, what happens, like, what happens when they're in both categories? Like, what are we what are we talking about? Best sound mixing and best sound editing for for films. If they're in both categories, is is it likely that they're going to lose out on one, or is it typically like both of them, or one it movie depends. takes a cake for both? It, honestly, they're they're different departments. Yeah. It depends. I, I know I they're mean, different departments, but I'm just. I like, mean, often sound mixing tends to go to musicals more, um, and you have Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born, and and not Mary Poppins, which is a little strange. Uh, sound editing's more of, you know, the, the sound effects, the sound effects specifically. Yeah. So yeah, you have movies like, you generally have action movies and musicals there. Right. So something like Black Panther, First Man, Quiet Place, Roma, like those are, Bohemian Rhapsody, sure. like those are, they're, those make sense to me. Right, right. Uh, and and I, what I was gonna say is like, you know, kudos because the sound design and sound editing, sound mixing is very good in First Man. Oh, for sure. And Roma for that. We talk about that extensively on here. That's true. That's, yeah. That said, things that weren't here, Mission Impossible, nothing. And like, even sound. It's I like, know. this franchise is yet to get an Academy Award nomination. Is it, Which, is it, do you feel as though it's one of those things where it's like, hey, it's a summer action movie and we don't take that seriously? I would say that to a point, but it's like, these last three in particular saying, are not just, they're not just serious action movies. movies. They're like, yeah. not even serious movies. They're wildly regarded. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're huge critic favorites, not just like popular. They're like, some of the, like, people have fallout on like a lot of their top ten lists of the year. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, we're just, just not giving it up for, for the Mission Impossible movies. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's getting a bit strange to me as far as <laughs> the scale of something like this and how much it's like how well it's doing on all levels and that's still kind of being like left out there. Yeah, like um, I can expect it for like Avengers, which got a visual effects nomination, but like the MCU stuff rarely ever gets really nominated. Really, speaking yeah, of really which, though, speaking of which, though, Black Panther seven nominations. I know, yeah, including, in, best, including picture. best picture. Yeah. yeah. So can I jump into that really quickly, just in terms of best picture? What do yeah. you think of the, the number of best pictures this year? I think there was well, like. Um, only eight. Yeah, only eight. I expected nine, and I thought First Man, again, would be that ninth spot, or Beale Street, um, neither of which happened, uh, or it could have been something like fun, like Crazy Rich Asians might have made it in there, or Mary Poppins, or A Quiet Place, because people love that movie. Um, For whatever reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's only eight. Uh, and speaking of eight, Vice got in there and also racked up eight nominations. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, but I know that you're kind of like lukewarm on it, right? I'm lukewarm, and now it's the kind of thing where it's like, it makes me dislike it more. Because <laughs> Come it's on. Like, if people like it, eight nominations worth to like for this movie? Like, it's it's so, it boggles my mind. I mean, it, what's his face? Uh, Christian Bale, is, he's, he's probably doing a good job in it. Richard Bell's the best thing about it. Like, there's no question there. And, like, the makeup's good. Like, I get that nominated. But it's, like, eight nominations for this movie. And it's not even, like, it's well reg- This and Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, it's not like they're well-regarded movies. They're... Yeah. And, and Vice isn't even making much money. Like, it's not even... It's not a I box it's, office I hit. it's already, like, been out of... Or it might be, like, closing out of theaters right now. It's, like, it's not doing great. Like, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, I get to a degree because, yeah, I made $800 million. Like, it's it's doing its thing. It's a Qu- shit movie. Can we jump movie, on but, like, Bohemian Rhapsody really quickly? 
Yeah, seven nominations. By the seven or nominations. Six, but, five, no, sorry, five nominations. Yeah. But a lot of, like, controversy around these nominations, uh, probably stemming from, like, the fact that a lot of critics don't think it's a good movie, but also just there's a lot of inconsistencies with the story, right? Well, the, I, I know that I, you guys had a great discussion on our podcast when, when you guys reviewed it. I mean, it's less about... It's, it's just... it's. <laughs> Don't don't get too much into it because we have a full it's, podcast. It just, to it's it. not a, it's not a very good film for a variety of reasons. Sure. I can understand why it would work with audiences as far as hey, we're seeing Queen songs on a big screen, why not? And we're getting an approximation of the band, sure, but like to the Seven degree that nominations worth of it though. But yeah, to the degree of it's a best picture nominee. I know. Like oh my god, it just bought it's <laughs> and it keeps winning stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah Rami Malek keeps winning stuff, which makes me really Rami keeps winning stuff, and like he's fine. Like I wouldn't even nominate him in Best Actor though. Like, like I think like what I was like. It sounds like we're rooting against Rami Malek, but I think for a performance like this, where it's like, I don't know, man. Like I, I like Rami Malek in general because uh, I've, I've liked him ever since we watched um, uh, what's the movie with um, Ms. Marvel or not Ms. Marvel, Captain <laughs> Marvel coming out. Short Turn Twelve. Sharp, yeah. What Short is it Turn called? Twelve. Short term twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Short term twelve. Yeah, I, I've liked him ever since I saw him in short term twelve. Um, but you know, a, a best actor nomination is a serious thing, and I, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've guessed what the movie is going to be about. And it's like from what, everything that I've heard, it's like it's a kind of a paint by numbers biopic. It is. So it's... how like maybe I'll watch it. And I'll just be blown away though. If you, I'll be. I'll, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, we got the yeah, we got the best picture. I mean, Black Klansman's in there a number of times. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, and best director nomination. And best the first the, the first best director nomination for Spike Lee as well. Um, which to be fair, makes you me definitely should happy. have been. You sent me a tweet by Kim Basinger, Basinger, Basinger? Uh, where basically she was saying like, you know, he should be. She, she called out, "Do the right thing." Do the right thing, and that's a great movie. That is, mm-hmm. uh, like, it kind of gets it's a little long, and it kind of got like maybe like Spike Lee kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Um, sometimes, but it's a great movie. It's. I'm still talking about Do the Right Thing. I'm not talking about the other movies that are nominated for Best Picture that year. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what was nominated back in, like, what, 89 or 93. Driving Miss Daisy. Winner. Uh, okay. I mean, all right. Um, cool. Any other sort of stuff? Uh... Yeah, speaking of Best Director, Spike Lee in there for the first time, that's great. Pa- Pavel Pavlowski for Cold War. For, uh, Cold War which picked up three. I picked up this cinematography and foreign film. Foreign film. Great. Good for Cold War. My third favorite movie of the year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. But a best director nomination, no less, too. That's cool. Like Bradley Cooper, not nominated for best director. So which like, which wow. is actually upsetting because I think that that's probably the category that I would have nominated him for. I think he's very. I, I want him to based off this list. I want him to see win best actor. Like I, I, among these people here, like I'd be happy to see him take it because I think he's very good in the movie. Um, yeah, that that is probably the weakest uh, category for me, um, or at least one of the weakest categories. Best actor. I mean, I haven't seen Willem Dafoe in in At Eternity's Gate. I've heard good things about it, but still, like Viggo Mortensen, Robin Malik seemed like they were put in there, and then Bale. I've heard good things. Bale's. Uh, I mean, Bale's good, but I wouldn't be. I mean, I don't think he's better than Bradley Cooper and yeah. Stars. But also, people that weren't nominated, like I think Ethan Hawke for First, First Reform, Reform is terrific, and that he's. I mean. I don't think I, there is a better performance this year than Ethan Hawke at first reform as far as male leads go. Uh, but I think I thought John David Wa- John David Washington was in that third like that wild card slot with Willem Dafoe is like who could be the fifth nomination here, and I thought okay. that might have broken through, which would have been great because 
Adam Driver got it for Black Landsman, but John David, it would have been nice to see John David Washington here also. But. Yeah, it would have been nice for a Willem Dafoe to win for uh, Florida Project. Yep, but that just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Um, uh, would you have uh, put in Gosling? Uh, yeah, Gosling as well for First Man. Like, I, yes, I mean, I've, if I if I did my nominations, I have a whole different list of people going on. <laughs> no, 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 totally, totally. But I mean, I'm just talking about like yes. large, large snubs here because I would have honestly probably nominated somebody from, like, in terms of like best actor. Like, I know the writer is my favorite movie, but like somebody like Brady Jandro. I mean, it's a better it's a better performance than most of the ones on yeah, this list. Yeah, that guy here. fucking killed it. I I don't disagree. I I am going off of like. I, I I know what to expect with a lot of these, so which is it's upsetting. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and we'll see where things go from yeah. here. And that the I mean, the SAG Awards were announced tonight, and Rami Malek and Glenn Close won. So it's like that, and Mahershala Ali, for that matter, too, who keeps winning things. Good. It's gonna, I mean, guy, seems like he's going to wind up with the, actor. Yeah. Seems like he's going to wind up with the second Oscar. Um, so we'll see. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk about snubs and whatever else later. But um, anything else from from the the uh, nominations? I mean, we'll get to it more, yeah, when we do do our like our prediction show and what have you. And we still have weeks to go with Oscar stuff, so yeah, I don't need to go too far into it. I but I was happy to see Black Black Panther get so much love, uh, including Best Picture. Do I think it's going to win Best Picture? Maybe not, but if it did, great. I mean, it won Best Ensemble at the SAG, which really it kind is of that, is it that kind of telling. It not telling, but it does keep things up in the air as far as what will win Best Picture. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of I mean editing tends to go hand in hand with best picture like as far as who wins best editing and both roma and um and a star is born weren't nominated for best editing so it's like roma is the front runner but it's like roma. it's not even nom- it's not even nominated for best editing so yeah. it's like i don't know so my the 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 thought that i have is like well that clears the path for black Klansman to win best picture maybe just <laughs> maybe Quor- maybe coron just wins best director it's pr- i feel like it's going to be a split like that's where i'm at right now with best picture and best director I'm i mean that's kind sure. of the way that it's been for the past few years though it's been happening it's been more re- yeah, you, it, yeah. The i think, I think like maybe like Lord of the rings uh, return of the king was probably the last time that maybe they won best picture and best director right maybe uh, not probably not no cuz like a uh, birdman um in a or in, in, a, in a Ritu on picture and director. He won director twice and he won The Revenant the year later. But, um, Chivo! For cinematography. Yeah, three, um, three in a row. Yeah. Turkey. In a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got a turkey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so anyway, yes, I do think that, I mean, the DGAs are coming up still as well, so the, the, which is the director's so, guild. Yeah, so, I mean, it's fun during award season because... I, I I've come to really like the the um, Spirit Independent Awards or Independent Spirit Awards, however you want to say it, because yeah, yeah, those those seem like they're fun, but also they they're gonna they're gonna give the movies that I thought were the best pictures. Uh, lastly, I'll say like Paddington Two. I don't know what people did not see in that movie that that you and I saw, and a lot of people saw. It's like that it, it's the kind, great. Yeah, it. I know, and it's the kind of thing where it's like there's so much rave for this and yet it's not like building the traction it seems to like it could easily have but do you think that um people were like well it's not an animated movie and it's not a best no, picture I just, nomination i think it's a i think it's a this is a movie that came out way back in january and it's for families it's not an, a serious oscar contention movie because it didn't come out in october yeah, that, that it's really that kind of matter it, it shouldn't matter but that's the kind of logic that does this, that does seep into this thing and leads to you know choices yeah <laughs> the, the the most solid side i took away was somebody who wrote a tweet about like you know paddington would probably write how happy he is to see all his friends nominated even though he isn't and i was like this is probably true, and this is how yeah. I'm going to feel for this movie as well. Definitely. 
Um, I will say, two of my favorite nominations, one was Abel Pawlikowski for Cold War. Yep. The other was, uh, was uh, Terrence Blanchard's score for Black Klansman. He's never been nominated. He's scored most of Lee's films, and I think he's a terrific, he does terrific work with him. And okay. I do think Black Klansman's score, it's not, it's, I still think Beale Street's my favorite score of the year, and I hope it wins. But I was just really happy to see Blanchard get a nomination. I think it's a it's a very good score as well. It has its own themes and everything for the characters. Like I do I, like it. Like it's bouncy, it's bouncy type of uh, of uh, score. I have to go back and listen to it though. It's a good score. I like it. Okay. I have it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'll <laughs> Dropbox that one. Don't worry. You. Don't worry. I think I can find it on Spotify. <laughs> I can get it to you in an instant. It's not hard. It's streaming um, on Spotify. <laughs> well, there. Well, then yeah. Okay. But you can play it in order. I don't. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, um, anything else? Um, I mean, we've been going long enough, I think. I, I still got feedback. I got, or not feedback. I have other, uh, our wrap up stuff we can do here. Um, but yeah, as far as Oscars go, no, I, I think we're good on that. We'll talk about more. We'll talk about it more. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, I was mm-hmm. happy Reddit Player One got a visual effects nomination. I'm you know, glad. I mean, again, there, there's, some stuff in that movie that yeah, I think that was also one where it came out, you know, it came out during like pre March, right? yeah, yeah, and so maybe some some of the stuff wore off, but I'm glad that people still recognize it because I think there's uh, a lot of good technical stuff that went on in that movie. And again, that yeah. that race sequence is fantastic. Oh, it, it helps that like I just watched it like that last week with my dad, and uh-huh. so it's like this is so fresh in my mind. It's like yeah, that movie deserves a visual effects nomination. Yeah. It looks amazing. It does look <laughs> amazing, even though it's like mocap and those guys were. Um, animated to some degree, it's like it's well, still really good. Great, yeah. yeah. And it's, that it's and really that shining good. sequence is incredible. Like, that shining I mean... sequence is one of the best fun Easter eggs um, mm-hmm. in any movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Like when they actually just went into it and it was exactly the same look, and I mm-hmm. couldn't tell if they were putting characters on top of the the original film or yeah. if they redid the the movie to be all digital. I was like, I have no idea what's going on here, but this looks amazing. And I'm also like, everybody in the theater was geeking out. Everyone who knew about it was geeking out. And I was like, this is great. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a well earned nom for sure. Um, also, the costume design for Black Panther. I'm happy that got nominated too because I think there's a lot of like creative work and production. Or did it get production design? So for costume design, I kind production of production design like, too. Yeah, production design would have been I, some of these categories. Some of the technical categories, I can see where Crazy Rich Asians lost out. Right. Um, where it's like, hey, yeah, custom design and also production design. It's pretty good in Crazy Rich Asians. Maybe people just thought about it as like a funny rom-com. But again, the way that I looked at it was that it didn't hit the same beats as a regular rom-com does hit. Um, it kind of takes things in a different path, even though it ultimately ends up at the same spot as these rom-coms. But still, I thought that there was some, some good stuff from that movie that, that um, helped carry it uh, to where it did over the summer. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I I I'm sure it's kind of a you know some of these things are like right on the edge of getting nominated and just didn't quite make it there type right. of thing as opposed to like willfully like looking past it and that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, anyway, huh. let's uh, let's uh, start wrapping things up here. Let's, cool. Let me get to some some out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week as well as streaming. Uh, first up on uh, Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, all that. Um, Suspiria. Uh, I'm never gonna watch it, but Aaron liked it. It'll be on Amazon. You can watch it very easily soon. <laughs> I'm going to fast forward through it. It's an Amazon movie. <laughs> uh, that would have been nice to see Tom York get nomination for his, one of his songs or the score for Suspiria, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Boy Erased. Is that also on Amazon? This is uh, on Blu-ray. This okay, gotcha. 
Uh, you know, Aaron said it was all right, but I, I'll give it a go. I I didn't think it was very good. Oh, you didn't <laughs> think it was very good. I I think it's very preaching to the choir. Interesting. Okay. As far as like, this is bad. Here's a movie about how this is bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yeah, I knew it was bad already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hunter Killer. This First of all, the... I'm in for anything that Gerard Butler does. I'm not. Really? <laughs> like, I... like, I know that it's going to be, like, terrible and bad, but it's like, I like Gerard Butler. Like, he knows the type of movies that he, like, he's going to do that make him money so he can live in more houses along the coast. No, I, I need a premise to go along with it. I'm, I'm not on the Gerard Butler does anything and I want to see it playing. <laughs> That's not where I'm at right now. Even if it's a train wreck, I'm down for it. I, I needed to be no. I need I need to be told a high concept premise that's insane. Like Jar- Gerard Butler is a scientist and he works <laughs> exactly. on a weather station in space, or Gerard Butler is yeah. an Egyptian god. Like give me that and I'm good. This is just Gerard Butler's on a submarine. That doesn't entice me that much. Right. That's not that. Fair, fair. Um, the wife, uh, oh, Oscar nominated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. You saw that. On and I saw that. Good production design. Okay. <laughs> And I'm glad that the uh, the girl from um, Interstellar is getting more work. Uh huh. Her brother is like killing it. Her brother being <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, yeah. yeah. Uh, Reign of the Superman. This is the follow up to the animated Death of Superman, which got quite a good, quite a few good reviews. These uh, DC animated movies. These the DC animated movie, okay, yeah. Got it. The the Death of Superman that was well regarded. Reign of Superman. I'm hearing a little bit more mixed, but mainly because I think that comic is that comic is not great either. Okay. <laughs> so it's. But I, I, I still hearing it's like a it's a it's a solid follow up to it because it does, it does around it's a two part type of thing so got it um, let's see on TV shows we got Doctor Who season eleven um, yeah keep watching that stuff Ballers season four and <laughs> you watch crash, more than I do and, and crashing season two crashing season two is a movie that or is a show that uh, I've been keeping up with I've like, kind of stopped in the middle of the second season but I'll finish it but I enjoy Pete Holmes. Season three, I'm watching right now. It's good. Cool. Uh, let's see. And special stuff. We got In the Heat of the Night on Criterion this week. I rewatched that because I got it movie from or Criterion. The, show? the the movie. Okay. On Criterion with Cindy Poitier and Rod Steiger. It's such a good movie. <laughs> it's they so call good. Mr. Tibbs. Oh my god. It's uh, like that. Knowing that line is one thing, but like seeing Cindy Poitier in that movie is incredible. And so is Rod Steiger for that. I mean, matter. didn't like, he such... win? He didn't win an Academy Award for it, right? He, that was so. That was the year uh, Sidney Poitier was. He was in that get and guess who's coming to dinner and the third movie that I can't remember call offhand. But he was in three different wow, movies that year. Like it was a huge. <laughs> and here's even more. In the Heat of the Night has two sequels that both star Sidney Poitier. Like he plays the Mr. Tibbs character in two other movies. He, he like I was trying to think. It's like I don't think I think this is like the first like male lead black actor to have that, his own franchise. That had like multiple. That, have, that had a franchise right. going. Well, I can't. Just... I can't think of another black actor that had before that that of that caliber of that like star weight uh, to have a, his own franchise. Did they, like did they come out theater theatrically? Yeah, more theatrical releases. Yeah, they, yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I was because uh, more generally, I was like, if they had come out straight to video or something like that, I was like, I, I mean, wonder how was, many. There, there wasn't a straight to video back in 1967. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but still, like the, the question of like which which lead actors mm-hmm. went on to have subsequent sequels that just went straight to video. That's a difficult, difficult question to answer. But, well, that's that's you know. born like the '90s when you right. have you actually have video, like you have like like Christopher Walken in the Prophecy movies or whatever. Like, <laughs> so like yeah, no, Do I'm you trying. To, Christopher like, Walken was only in horror movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
But yeah, I was just, I just thought that was fast. It's like, yeah, it's like other, obviously other actors, other white actors had franchises or what have you, but Sidney Poitier, it's like, he, I, I can't imagine there being another black actor before that, unless I'm willfully forgetting someone important, but I can't think of somebody mm-hmm. at that point in time that was more like kind of regarded than Sidney Poitier yeah. <laughs> having his own franchise. Uh, but yeah, In the Heat of Night is a great movie. That was what I was leading with. That. <laughs> um, and yeah, Rod Steiger won the Academy Award for that movie. That Got was it. A, the other thing I was saying. Okay. Poitier already won an Academy Award. He I won think. for um, or uh, I want to say like uh, Raising the Sun, but it's probably not right. It's not a Raising of the Sun, which I also watched recently too, on it, and uh, that's also a great movie. Um, oh, what did he win for? We got to find this now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm stalling to, to try and find it out. Sydney Poitier won. Lilies of the Field, which is five. It's four years before. Before um, uh, in the heat of the night. Uh, in the heat of the night, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he has an honorary Oscar as well in two thousand two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, what else was I saying? Oh, Screamers. It's on Shout Factory this week. Uh, what is that? That's the, that's a Peter Weller horror movie from the nineties. It's based off a what book is it? Screamers. Is it a King book? I'm trying to think. It's a sci-fi thing. Is no Philip K. Dick. Sorry, it's Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick. Okay. Yeah. I... Yeah. It's like. It's like these robots that are underground, and they're like, cra- like, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's I don't, no, no I, worries, but just I, yeah. I haven't heard of this movie. That's why I was curious. I remember the trailers way back in the '90s, and it's it's Peter, it's Robocop, and he stars in it. And there's like these robots. They're like, it's like Tremors, but robots. Like they're like at least, at least what I can remember from the trailer. I don't know what the hell the movie's about, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I can recall. Yeah, I know Brandon, Brandon Peters, friend of the show, he reviewed it in Hawaii So Blue. He has the whole um, freak, Shout Factory. We get all that stuff. Got it. Anyway, uh, Netflix this week, uh, Punisher Season 2. I'm very good things. Yeah, I've, I'm, I've three episodes in, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I'm sure it'll get canceled any second, but, you know, I'll still watch this presumably last season of Punisher. Yeah. Um, Polar, this is a Mads Mikkelsen so comic I, I definitely action. want to see this movie. <laughs> I've heard it's terrible. Oh, no, but I definitely want to see it anyway. <laughs> Because um, it looks like a, a John Wick tile, type, type premise. That's that's what it looks like, and yeah. everything I've heard about it is that it's terrible. <laughs> so. That was my biggest fear, is that it looks cool, but it's actually a terrible movie. And it's like two hours. Like, if it was like 90 minutes, I'd be I like, I mean, okay. Netflix, what are we doing here? We're trying to win Oscars, but we put out all these bad movies, too? <laughs> um, Black Earth Rising, season one. This is a drama, like a BBC drama, that has John Goodman in one of the lead roles in it. I'm I'm curious about this one. I think it deals with like the courts in England and like John Goodman's involved in some way. Okay. Uh, and he's making like the same face he's making in Captive State. So I'm like, oh, John Goodman's just working a lot. <laughs> like a like a serious face. Yeah, ser- like serious uh, John Goodman. Like, like, like he's doing. Like it's like in... I got I got I got vacation money from the Connors and now I can do serious movies face. Yeah, stuff like uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Serious exactly. John Goodman. Um, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season four part two, which I believe is the final. It's the final. Portion. The final few season. episodes of season four. Exactly. Yeah, so they left off on a pretty funny uh, episode where Kimmy writes a book and she's going to get it published. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, so I, I stopped in season two. Maybe at some point I'll pick up on the show it, again. It's quirky and it's totally fine if you don't watch it, you know, all at once. You know what I mean? Like it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to just have on if you miss stuff like 30 rock it my issue was and it comes with a lot of these comedies where it's like it's a half hour comedy but as opposed to a network tv comedy where that just means 22 minutes it's like it's 33 full, minutes full, like it's like, a full half an hour yeah, it's full like 20 to 30 and minutes it, yeah to me it just kills the pacing because i think like like 30 rock it's snappy like it feels like a screwball comedy where like everything flows and it just the rhythm never feels the same this well, like, and arrested and arrested development for yeah. that matter there's, there's a snappiness to that pace 
that I think works where it just, for me, it's not working as well. I think that those other two projects are a little bit more creative in terms of just what they can deal with. Because one of them is a TV studio, and then one of them is like a family that is like in shambles, but also has all these other side businesses, right? And all these characters. The characters is also where I'd say is like, there's just more characters that you can run through and have fun adventures with. Whereas this one's like four characters max. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. And lastly, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Incredibles 2 will be on Netflix this week. Yeah, go see both of those. All right. Uh, next week, we're kind of figuring it out. Um, it was The Sundance Film Festival was taking place this week, and on the show we do tend to like to have guests that are at the Sundance Film Festival come on and talk about their, you know, the films they saw and whatnot. So, excuse me, if we can line up some guests that um, got to experience Sundance, we'll be happy to do that and, you know, have a whole, like, fun talk about the movies that are coming you know at some point Mm -hmm. um if not we'll just have the sin city commentary uh coming out as our main episode that said that'll be coming out regardless so maybe there'll be a sundance episode maybe there won't but that's what's kind of going on after that we'll have the lego movie and a bunch of other stuff in the weeks to come right um so yeah that's next week and beyond uh last thing we do here what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next uh, I definitely still recommend seeing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse if you haven't seen it. Um, it's it's such a, a, a fun movie, but also visually stimulating. And um, pretty simple in the story, but it's still very, 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 very uh, fun. Um, and then next, uh, I need to catch up on um, a few screeners, I suppose. But there's, I forget, something like in theaters. Oh, Bill Street. If Bill Street could talk. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I would... Uh... So, yeah, Spider-Verse is out there still, so yeah, go see Spider-Verse. It's awesome. Um, if you can find Cold War, um, it's one of my favorite movies of the year, and yeah. I certainly think it's well, it's up for three Oscars, so somebody agrees with me. And <laughs> At um, least one person. Uh, Black Klansman, which is my favorite movie of the year, that got released back into theaters this past weekend, so if you, can, if you haven't seen Black Klansman, then you can go see it on the big screen. I just want to uh, say that my favorite movie of the year has not been re-released, and it probably nope. won't be. Yeah, because it got no Oscar nominations. That's correct, even though and it's it was the best a, movie of the year. And it was up for Independent Spirit Awards last year, so it's not, you're not going to see it again at all. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, she, she won a few awards last year for it. Um, uh, but yeah, a number of Best Picture nominees were released or re-released back into the theaters, so you can you know catch up on those if you want to, preferably the good ones. Uh, not by Snobby Human Rhapsody. <laughs> and next thing I'm seeing, either Cold Pursuit, the Liam Neeson film, or The Prodigy, the horror film. That, I'm that movie looks... Like, funny <laughs> i'm looking forward to it okay um yeah well that said that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now there and you can find more of my work in my personal blog the code is zeke.com all the stuff that i do ends up over there but i am writing weekly reviews over at we live entertainment you can also find me on twitter at aaron's ps4 abe you can find more fun stuff over at my instagram abe.mua and twitter.com slash smoose uh hashtag escape room aaron liked it <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, not Aaron beats the Schmodown. Um, well, I mean, I expected you to anyway. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. Um, you can find all the other episodes about Now Author and Name on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. Also listen to us at HHWD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Uh, feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on anything we talked about today over at Outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Also write it on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash Outnotpodcast, or tweet at us at Twitter.com slash Outnot underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page where you can send us gifts of James McAvoy, star of It Chapter 2, hosting Saturday Night Live, and combine them with gifts of Scary Clowns, which are featured in It Chapter 2. Is, at, is, now, is, is he really com. in, in uh, It Chapter 2? Yes. Who's he playing? 
What do you think he's playing? One of the kids. One of the grown-up kids. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, cool. I was like, wait, he's, he's not playing. Oh, what, 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 again, what did you think he was playing? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what wait, they, they never played Bill Skarsgård, did they? <laughs> what are the options in It Chapter 2 for J- your James McAvoy to play? <laughs> I was like, he's too short to be in It. <laughs> Why would they recast Billy Scars? I don't know. In any case, I'm and glad. Why are we not calling him Billy Scars more? Because <laughs> he's a grown man. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, go go check out our Tumblr page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go yeah, our very useful Tumblr page. We're constantly updating it with automatic posts from our our main Tumblr uh, pages. <laughs> but if we got more scary clown gifts or James McAvoy gifts, I mean, we'd be on there all the time doing James stuff. James McAvoy gifts would be great. I, I like that guy. He's a, he seems like a fun guy. I watched him on Saturday Night Live. He seemed like he was having a fun time. He seemed like a fun time, and also just in in uh, in his press interviews, whenever he's having fun with just the other actor, he seems like he's having a good time. Yeah, exactly. He and Fassbender are alright together. Are a riot? Oh yeah, yeah, agree. They're yeah. a riot together. Same thing with uh, he and uh, Radcliffe. We're doing a great job of ending this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's already gotten way long. <laughs> all right. So with all that said, until next time, so long and goodbye. I was just about to tell you uh-huh. that I love him. I do. I love him. I love him, and I don't care what you think. I love him for the man he wants to be and i love him for the man that he almost is i love him laurel i love him i love him she'll let you in her house you come knocking late at night she'll let you in her mouth if the words you say are right If you pay the price She'll let you deep inside There's a secret God she You gotta be fair to her She loves you If you don't love her, you've got to tell her She'll let you in her car To go driving She'll let you into the parts of the set That'll bring you down She'll let you in her heart If you got a hammer in a vice But into the secret God and don't think why What if we got married? If I said that, would you stay? No, no. Don't do that. Don't say that unless... You've gone Well, say it if you want to. How far'd you get? Will you marry me? That place where you can't remember... What are you thinking? And you can't forget... Laurel! We're getting married! She'll lead you down the... There'll be tenderness in the air She'll let you come just far enough So you know she's really there And she'll look at you and smile And her eyes will see 
She's got a secret garden Where everything you want Where everything you need Will always stay A million miles away you, Jerry Maguire, take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And do you, Dorothy Boy, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I now pronounce you husband and wife. I pretended that proposal by the car was real, and it might have just been a hypothetical. I did this. And at least I can do something about it now. So this break is break up. That's... Come on, Jerry. You know this isn't easy for me. Okay. Okay. This is where it has to happen. This is where it has to happen. I'm not letting you get rid of me. How about that? I'm a smart wife. I love you. You? You had me at hello. You had me at hello.